sooner or later, the cloud's going to fuck you. That's what's going to happen, is the cloud's going to fuck you. You rely on the cloud, you put your hands in the life of the cloud, and then the cloud, when you need it most, it fucks you. Okay. That's the cloud for you. In a world where laughter was king on the edge of space. Ludicrous speed! Go! We get together, have a few laughs. Masters of the universe! So I am one of your co-hosts, Ron Avis. And I'm the other co-host, Adam Peterson. Welcome back to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. This is episode 10, baby. We made it to double digits. Double digits. High five. There's not a Star Wars for this yet. No, there's not. There's We've gonna... eclipsed Star Wars. We've eclipsed Star Wars. Now we're just going to have to move on to something else. Have there been 10 Fast and Furious? They're working, they're working on the ninth right now. And if you include Bond. Hobbs and we're going to have to start doing James Bond, Bond. movies. Yep. I don't know what movie, like what, what James Bond is the 10th Bond movie. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up because this is important. We it need is. to carry on this tradition of, of sort of naming each podcast the number of a movie. Of a yes. movie, yes, we have to. Okay. So number 10. So 10th, I'm doing a Google search here. 10th, James. This is something that Mitch should be doing. Yeah, Mitch. What the hell, man? Okay, so I believe it's The Spy Love Me. Okay. Because I did 10th James Bond movie. And it just sort of came up. It's probably something that Google gets quite a bit. Wikipedia came up. 1977's The Spy Who Loved Me. you got to imagine, that's where the spy of Shagney came from. In the Austin uh, I, think you, I think you're probably right there. I don't have to be a genius for that. I don't I, have to be a I cinema think... master to know that. <laughs> but you are. But I am, and you I connected did. connected those dots. But no, this episode's going to be awesome. We got the, uh, let's see, we started with who who played it better. Yes. Um uh, I was assigned Forrest Gump, and I assigned you, what was Attack it? Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. The bastard of all the Star Wars movies. You know, like, I, I, the, the prequel movies are not the best. They're my least favorite. But, you know, Phantom Menace is, I think, pretty good. I've always enjoyed it. It's still watchable. And Revenge of the, uh, of the Sith is good, I think. You know, it's, it's not terrible, but it... It's got some great memes. It does have well. some great memes. With the, the high ground, that kind of stuff. But the bastard child sitting right there in the middle doing nothing but just stinking and sucking is always Attack been Attack of the Clones. So you get to cast it. So, But I got to say, like I I had nothing but the best of intentions. Like I, I felt like I was giving you something fun. It's like we always complain about Anakin Skywalker with Hayden Christensen. <clears throat> we always, you know, maybe not so much with the other casting, but this is this is a fun exercise I give you. You turn around and give me friggin' the beloved Forrest Gump. <laughs> I, I did. I did. After you gave me, what was it, The Breakfast, the breakfast Club? You're mean. You're so mean. And I know I mentioned this in the previous episode, but when I was looking for movies to give you in the previous uh, episode, I was like, Forska, I put too mean. <laughs> and you gave it to me. I'm not too mean. <laughs> You're just that right I'm amount like of mean. I'm the Grinch of this, of this podcast. So after that, we're in the main event. The when we start event. that up, we're going to actually have um, our 10... 10 Movie soundtracks that we love. Yes. I, I guess that's what we'll call it. Yes. We're not gonna try and count it down from our top five because there's it's too, too many. There's got too many goddamn because it's soundtracks. It's essentially, it's it would be like if we said, "What are your top five top five favorite movies of all time?" Kind of, yeah. And it's just there's too many. You can't do that. It's cruel. That's too mean. 
You know, I came yeah. to this conclusion that I, we'll get into it, I guess, when we get started. And uh, to finish it off, we're going to do a Rad Dads. Rad Dads. A very special edition of Rad Dads where I would have, I, I was tinkering with the idea of doing like a, a trivia throwdown type okay. new segment, but due to the timing of the episode, like I, we had to do a Rad Dads just for one particular movie. And I even, we normally don't know what each other has, but I like messaging is like, this is going to be my Rad Dads. We have to do a Rad Dads and this is going to be my movie. And you're like, got no problem with that. Big Top Peewee's a big movie. Oh, it is. It was a I huge just, movie. I just ruined that for you. I'm really sorry. <laughs> On the topic of Big Top Peewee, that was a weird Peewee Herman movie. He With, was very sexually aggressive in that movie. He, yes. Um, was it? Who was the name of the girl? Was it Dottie? I'm thinking maybe it wasn't Dottie. Uh, oh, because it was Penelope Ann Miller played his, his initial girlfriend. Love interest, yes. Um, uh, but she ended up she ended up with all four of the Piccolo Poopola brothers. <laughs> the ac- acrobats from the from Chris Christopherson's Chris traveling circus. I think Dottie may have been his tiny wife that he held in his hand. Yeah, I don't or know. No, Dottie was the girl in the first one. Dottie too. was the girl in the first uh, one. Hey, you may be right. You're probably right. I can never go against you, sir, when it comes to movie trivia. You can. You, you can. I can, but I won't <laughs> because I need. I have to prop you up as the legitimate face of our <laughs> podcast. If I start right. tearing you down, right. it's screwed. all me. It's all him. I'm the it's all him. Face. I need him. He's our designated movie. A synopsis giver. Yeah. Where you you give the best synopsis and then I do my best to derail your synopsis by throwing in my dis. I, I literally have no other marketable <laughs> skills whatsoever. Uh, but that's going to be our our episode. I think it's going to be a fun one. Yes. Um, it's going to be. It was like you said, going to be very hard to select five of our favorite soundtracks because, you know, when it comes when it comes to the '90s, it was there's, soundtracks every week. There's a lot every week. Uh, but I have some thoughts on soundtracks and how they've evolved over the years. But let's let's not let's well, not delay any we, further. We won't stunt the growth of that segment. No, we won't. We'll go ahead and just get right into the top segment. Dive in. Who played it better? Or I wrote cast it better. You know who? I think who played it better is the official title of the uh, of this segment. If we do anything officially here. Episode that. ten, segment one, cast it better. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm dying to know what you did for. Uh, uh, Attack of the Clones. Attack Let's go ahead clones. and do right, this. Let's so, go ahead and do this. <clears throat> all right. So again, I uh, I picked um, six. Really, what's funny is when you go and you look at um, the character list in because uh, you think of the Star Wars movies as having such a huge cast. Yeah. <clears throat> um, really and truly, when I got to the IMDb IMDb page, because I was like, all right, let me see exactly who I'm going to tackle here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's usually how we we approach it. We look at who are the main characters of the yeah. film, and then we go from there. Um, and and because I wasn't I wasn't gonna, I didn't do R two D two, C three P O Yoda and the Emperor. Um, and my rationale for that. I'm glad you didn't do the Emperor because he's always been the Emperor, that, and it that would feel strange to cast him. That was why I went. Um, those guys are static throughout the entire series. Very much so. So I was like, you know what? Even in episode ten, I'm not even, which, uh, which who am I whispering uh, to? The audience or you? I don't even. You know. could whisper to all of us. Okay. Wait. I'd like to whisper too. <laughs> hey, this has become an ASMR channel. <laughs> Here, let me, I'm going to do some tapping. Makes anyway. me feel all better. It does. Happy inside. Please continue, sir. So um, I, the the characters that I uh, and really and truly there were not. Um, I, I I wasn't gonna recast Jimmy Smiths either. No, um, no, like, no. I'm, no. Not, I'm not reaching that far for Jimmy Smiths. I wouldn't expect you to. Uh, I wouldn't expect there. Everybody knows the big ones. The big so ones. I went with Obi Wan. Okay. Anakin. Yep. Uh, Padme. Padme. Mace Windu. Good. Count Dooku. 
and yep. Django Fett because I wanted to have six. Okay. Um, I had one, two, three, four, five. Ooh, I actually went more than you. Ooh. I'm more committed. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a slacker. Slacker. No, no. Uh, you well, any more than that, you'd be getting down to the. Like, I'd be getting characters. To Jimmy nobody Smith's. cares. You'd be getting a Jimmy. I would Smith's. be recasting Jimmy Smith. We don't give a shit about Jimmy Smith. It's Jimmy Smith's. I mean, I I love and respect Jimmy Smith's. I don't. A lot. I hate Jimmy Smith's. No, so, I really don't. <laughs> we we it's the, it's the yin and yang of this podcast. I shit on Jimmy Smith's. Is he dead? I don't. Th- I don't think so. That's too bad. He was. <laughs> he didn't go the Jonathan Brandis route. <laughs> he did not. Whoa. Would it be an episode without a Jonathan Brandis? Suicide. How quickly did we jump into suicide? Oh, kids, don't do it. Don't do it. We are anti-suicide. Unless you're Jonathan Brandis. Or Jimmy Wait, Smith. no, you should have done it either. No. Nope. Robbed could, us of Quick Kicks version two. We and we could have had uh, we could have had all kinds of we could have had a Sequest movie. We could have had like we could have had like this great Sequest thirtieth, you know, anniversary reunion mm-hmm. with Roy Schreider, who died also actually. He's but also of natural dead. causes. Yeah, he, like, he didn't actually take his own life. No. Why am I doing this? Why am I derailing the podcast so early? Something else took his life, not him. Alcoholism. Probably. Probably. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm excited. So, um, to to build build momentum. Anakin's going to be the final one, I bet, isn't it? I I think think I'm going to... Because it was really, like, when I looked at this, I mean... Mace Windu, even though he he's not a, an integral part of it, he is because he's Sam Jackson. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sad like, to see Sam Jackson go. I don't even really know who you're gonna like put in Mace Windu's place. I, I, I feel like I came up with what I what I, this. Oh, is, so we're I, gonna get Mace first. Uh, I'm I'm starting with Django Fett. Start with Django Fett. It's just like ah, uh, who, who gives a crap? Yeah, cares. he's not Boba Fett. Um, um and uh, so. I, and I wanted to. I came up with a few names for each of them, just because I, I like to kind of mull it around. You do, you. and you now you're making me feel bad because I never Good. do that. Good. I like to make people feel bad because I'm mean. It's, you are mean when it comes to this segment. You're the I'm meanest. Mean. I'm the meanest ever. You're the meanest. That could be a podcast, kind of like the Nerdist. <laughs> the meanest. It's just me <laughs> all the time. You would never Doing think that things. Adam would be like headlining a thing, anything the meanest. But when it comes to this, this segment, this segment, this segment in particular. Oh. Okay, Django Fett. Django Fett. Django so, Fett. I I settled on Brian T. He played uh, Shredder in the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He was also <laughs> in Tokyo Drift. Oh, really? He was in Tokyo he was Drift. As what? Uh, as the bad guy. That was Shredder? Yep. That was Shredder? Shredder. So, Shredder <clears throat> from the first movie, from right? From the second movie. From the second movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. He, uh, so he's the one that was like, babies. Yes. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yes. He, wow, okay. I, it was, because it was, it was he's hard. He's a big dude. He's, well, because I, I wanted to try, um, sometimes I'll play around with, with different kinds of casting. I know you and I have been fairly open about, I, I don't like to just, you know, gender swap or race yeah. swap. Just for, just for the heck of it. Just for the heck of it. <clears> so yeah. I, I tried. Right, I'm with you. I tried to kind of maintain um, the integrity, especially because the guy that plays Jango Fett, um, Tumera Morrison. Um, I was going to say, I have no idea who Drew he, uh, he is. Uh, he's from New Zealand. He's kind mm. of a Pacific Islander kind of guy. Okay. There's not a lot of uh, Pacific Islander. Uh, a lot of people, you know, when you're even, when I was looking at this to try and find people that would kind of fall in that because I couldn't think of a lot of people off the top of my head. You know, you get The Rock. Uh, what, what I thought was quite funny is uh, there, were, there were a couple of people um, because they're just from New Zealand that fell in the list. I'm like, well, that, that is, he's hardly a substitute for... Yeah, you don't want to just <clears throat> like A for A, like yeah. A New Zealander, right? Yeah. So, uh, and I, I had um, 
uh, Iko Uwe, uh, who was in the raid. Um, he was somebody I was kind of playing around with because yep, uh, yep. he's he's. I like that he's getting more play because I really like him. Um, and Daniel Day Kim from Lost. He was he kind of okay, okay. Have, but I, I settled on Brian T because like he just he had to me kind of that um, he had a look that was very stoic. Um, because the thing is, if you're playing playing Django, you know that's the guy that is all the clones. So exactly, yeah, he's the same. You're gonna get a lot of his face. So in in the interim, and I didn't hate the original guy. No, he was fine. He was he did he did a great job. He was because yeah. um, especially once you go on, um, you know, with the the Clone Wars uh, cartoon series and whatnot, there were you know uh, full disclosure. I haven't Rex, seen those. So there's there's a lot of iterations of the character that you're yeah. supposed to like for you know until Executive Order sixty six is carried out. So that was a tough one. You you got to kind of like of this all guy. the executive orders. It was there were six. The first sixty five were really pretty agreeable. <laughs> they were pretty crowd pleasing. Um, they were pretty cloud. But uh, that was the free pancakes Wednesday executive oh, order. That was a fantastic. Oh my one. god, I love the mm. executive order sixty five. So Syrup, good. deliciousness. Uh, yep. Mm. Um, good inside. Yeah, so Django Fett, you know, I, you, you, for me, all I care, you could have kept the original guy, yep. but you, you went ahead and I cast went, a new guy. I recast a new and guy. And it's Shredder from... From, this, from the, Out of the Shadows. Yeah. Because there's two different Shredders. But I liked, I picked Brian T. I, it's too bad you couldn't have picked the Shredder from the first Ninja Turtles yes. movie, because I have a poster of that. Or Kevin Nash, who played Super Shredder. In he did. That was, I think that was his first movie role. He was great. He was Super Shredder. Super Secret Shredder. of the Us. Because awesome. when you apply ooze to metal, it makes metal sharper. Of course. That's just Everybody how Everybody knows that. That's how ooze and metal work. Don't be stupid. Nope. Science, kids. <laughs> Stay in school. <laughs> Science! Science! Yes! So, uh, then I count Dooku. Okay. Christopher Lee. That's Christopher a tough Lee. one. That's a tough Lee. one. He's got a, he's got a lot of clout. People say Christopher Lee is full of clout. He is. He is that's uh, his middle name. And he is dead. He is dead. So you have to be you have to be careful not to disrespect Christopher Lee. Yes, because he was Dracula. After all, if I had chosen someone silly, I would seem very disrespectful. (laughs) You don't want to be disrespectful. No, not the Dracula. He's actually dead now. He could come back and suck your blood. He could. He probably is. That actually could happen. I'm sure he is doing that right now. Literally, probably climbing up from the grave as we speak. You better be careful. He could go back down. Yeah. Depending on if you're if he's a fan of who you pick. Um. I this one this one was uh, it was tough I, um, I went with uh, Charles Dance. From uh, from Game of Thrones um, and from uh, Last Action Hero. Oh, Tywin Lannister! Yes. Ooh, good choice. I need I needed someone menacing, old and menacing. If you're gonna replace, if you've got the unmitigated gall to replace Christopher Lee, he's a good choice. Um, he was in the new Godzilla movie. He was, and he did fantastic. But obviously, his most iconic role is the villain from Last, Last Action, Action Hero. Hero. Yes, he had the the, uh, the Have a Nice Day like eyeball, yeah. like the crossy. Like I, he I was... love that the ever the, the actor that everyone sh- craps their pants over in the Game of Thrones. He was in Last Action. Last Hero. Action Hero. But he was a villain. He was he, a very was capable a very villain. villain. It looked basically the same. Yeah. He is. He's been a sixty-year-old menacing British fellow yes, for for, for seventy-five decades. years at least. Decades. I like that. Okay, that's a good choice. I, I you, had, you had to recast Christopher or Count Dooku. You didn't have to, but you did. I did. I like that pick. And I because I had Max von Sydow because uh, he would have been capable, but he was in uh, the Force Awakens. He was in the Force Awakens. So I was like, yeah, eh, I don't like Max. As Lee. a character, I'm still not really sure who he I, actually he was, was. Just I think he was just Max von Sydow. I think he just lives that long 
and he gets interested in space stuff. He was in The Exorcist. Uh, yes. He, he was, was in Strange was a... Brew. <laughs> as well. He was Brewmaster. Who, why wouldn't you cast him in a comedy after seeing his comedic chops from The Exorcist? He's great. <laughs> like, so this funny. guy was in The Exorcist? Holy oh, crap. my God. Oh, oh I laughed. When he was splitting. reading from the Bible all those times. Oh. Uh, the power of Christ compels you. So stop it. Oh, my God. My side is splitting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dying here, man. You got to stop. You're killing me. Oh, You're is that the only me. one laughing out loud at that oh. point in the movie theater? I was, and a lot of people were looking at me. Wouldn't it be awesome if you were to walk into The Exorcist and they were doing like a, uh, 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 I don't know, 45th anniversary edition screening? You just laughed at it the whole entire time. The last time I saw it in theaters, I laughed through most of it. (laughs) I did. That's because you came up with the generation of of it being parodied so many times. We talked about this in a previous episode. We covered this. All right, Um, so pretty pretty good choice there. I I almost went with Alan Alda as well, but... uh, He was, he was Hawkeye. In, he was in Canadian Bacon. He was in Canadian Bacon. And he's an old guy. He's an old fella. He's an old fella. Uh, a, I don't think he could have grown the beard. The, the beard, that actor's beard is is yeah. on par with Christopher Lee's. Beard. He really is. It has to just the right amount of salt and pepper. Yes. In it. I don't um, think Alan Alda could do that. No. And he's just he's just too nice. He is. He's Even too when nice. he plays a villain, you're like, yeah, but he's too. Nice. His crew cut is not nearly as menacing as Christopher Lee's no. crew cut. No. All right, so now oh, we're getting into the juice. Now we're getting we're getting into we're getting into something big here. Okay. Next is Mace Windu on my oh list. Oh my god! I'm working oh backwards. God. Mace Windu. How are you gonna find an analog of Samuel L. Jackson? That's a that's a tough one. That's it a, hasn't happened in real life, otherwise, because no. he just keeps getting all the roles. Yes, he's because he's four thousand years old. Like a script calls a Sam Jackson type, he just keeps coming he's in. Like, I, he's he. What you talking about, man? I could play a thirty-year-old. He's because he looks it. He really could. He's, you know. And even when they need it, they're like, "We'll just, we'll just do it with computers." <laughs> just like Captain That's Marvel. They didn't get him he played right. a passable thirty-something. We need to make a young you. Let's let's just use computers to do that. We'll pay computers Sam, can do that. We'll pay Sam Jackson scale, but we'll spend forty million dollars in the picture to make him look young. Make him look young. Keep Sam Jackson preserved and alive for as long as we yep. can. Anyways, sorry to interrupt you. No. So this this was this this may have been my toughest one. Oh my god. Um, so I because I was uh, I was tempted to go with Lawrence Fishburne partially for the joke, you know, the I'm not Lawrence Fishburne. Um, <laughs> I was tempted to do that. He like, might be older than Sam Jackson I, actually. He definitively looks older. Yeah. Um, but um, I, so I was tempted to do that, but I kept I kept him off my list intentionally because of that. Okay. Um, what I <laughs> to avoid the meme like ah it's so trite. What, of course. What I settled on, uh, and I I felt really good about this one. I settled on Mahershala Ali, from Green Book and. Um, what? Yes. <laughs> because the especially from. Um, because the, the thing about Dooku, uh, or uh, about uh, Mace Windu, Mace Windu, yeah. In especially in this iteration, you get to see a a more badass version of Mace Windu in Revenge of yeah, his lightsaber says badass motherfucker on it. But way. but in 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 these in the first two movies, you really just get a stoic guy kind of walking around. Mm. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, because he's really the only other two that I came up with that could even potentially have worked are Tyler Perry and Common. Oh my God, Tyler Perry. And Tyler Perry was just like, no, uh, you know, the, that uh, wouldn't, it wouldn't work just because of his other body of work. 
Yeah. And so I was when I started. I like that Tyler Perry pops up in movies, and I'm surprised that he's good in it though. Like he he, he, can, he could uh, he could get to a Mace Windu. Someday. He could he could. But it was in in the pantheon of everything. It was like because I'm looking for somebody in a particular age range, um, and even when when Sam Jackson played Mace Windu, he was still a few years older than Mahershala Ali is right now. Yeah. But uh, in a number of the things, I like Mahershala Mahar, Ali. He because uh, I was just recently watching him in uh, True Detective. Um, on HBO, and uh, is it good? <clears throat> I I didn't get all the way through. I, I liked it. It jumped around uh, the first season. I think still just oh, it's it's hard to one of the best out. seasons of TV. One it of the best really single is. seasons of, of HBO shows out there. It's so good. And it's hard not to compare stuff to that. So I oh think yeah, everything well it's kind the of, same show. It, everything everything kind of falls a little bit flat yeah. from that. But yeah, um, I still need to check that out. But I do like him. He's, he's another step too. And he's uh, like he's got he's got an intensity to how he plays, but he can also um, he could break from that well. Um, it was like he was the villain in Luke Cage. Um, uh, oh, for, that's right. So he was a good villain in that. He's he's got. He's not just the Ravine pianist. Yeah, from no, the, he's the green, from Green Book. He he's got a, he's got a real air about himself that could take because that was the role of Mace Windu in especially in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. is really kind of this. He's he's very concerned. He's very um, patriarchal. He you know it's him and Yoda a lot. Just kind of like. We don't think anything anyone's doing is a good idea. He was yet to be Sam Jackson unleashed. Yeah. He was more of a pensive yeah. character. Yeah, I got you. Um, I got and, you. Because you, you, you get a little bit of him, even even when you get to the end, when there's a confrontation, and he's got the lightsaber up to Dooku, and he's like, ah, I'm going to kill you. Ah. And like, there's the whole big fight at the end, which is the only thing, only part of the movie that's even watchable. Yeah. And even with that, I'm just like, okay, so you got... You got Padme and you got Obi-Wan and you got uh, Anakin and they're trapped and there's all these monsters and then all of a sudden the Jedi are like hey should we should we let him know we're all here now and they're like no no wait a few more minutes until they're almost dead <laughs> And they're like, all right, we're all going to jump out. Hey, look at that. We were here the whole time. We're going to stop this whole charade. You're but right. no, we're, we're not. So, all right. So, George Lucas, why, man? This is just, why? You're such a brilliant guy, man. I love George down. Lucas. Why would he do this All crap? boils down to that CGI pair. That's, <laughs> that's a floating pair. It's a pair. It's a pair. An arrow can go through it. A hatchet. Doesn't matter. I can do pair. anything. I can make the pair turn into a transformer if I want to. That would have been impressive. That would be cool. If the pair turned into Optimus Prime in that scene, I would be like, okay. In that, that particular that scene. Was cool. <laughs> I was like, ah, it's Optimus Prime now. Like Mace Windu's biting into a pair and then it just changes into Optimus Prime. Like, oh, what's happening? Okay. I'm cool with that now. The I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine with that. If you're gonna if you're gonna sully my childhood memories of the Transformers, do it that way. Do it that way. Do it with that pair. Way. Um, so that was <clears throat> that was where because I was going through Mace Windu, I think you you sold it very well. Like I wasn't quite sure because I was making the comparison mistake of Sam Jackson and him. But then once you actually described the character a bit more to me, he could. I think he could slip into it well, and, and not only slip into it well, perhaps do it better. He could. He could. Yeah. yeah. Um, if if I had to do Revenge of the Sith, it would be harder because when Mace Windu fights um, Dooku, no, uh, uh, the Emperor, Palpatine. Yeah, yeah, when he fights Palpatine. He's he. That's Sam Jackson. It I is don't Sam know Jackson. You, I don't know that you can replace him quite as easily. I mean, maybe. Don't you try, Ernie Hudson? Uh, Ernie but, uh, Hudson, throw him. <laughs> yeah, just get get him in there. He's also known for Congo. Like I don't have to go for like true. straight Ghostbuster references. No. But uh, yeah, Congo, Congo and the Ghostbusters. Congo is a great movie. Eh. Great. Eh. One of the greatest movies of all time. About probably CG apes. I guess you yeah. can say that. Mighty Joe Young. <clears throat> 
that was a that was a wonder. Bill pa- Bill Paxton, Bill yeah. Paxton. Bill Paxton and, and some uh, chick, some white bra. Charlize Theron. <laughs> was that Charlize it Theron? Was, that had to be early Charlize yes, Theron. Yes, it was. Wow. Oh, the wow. giant monkey. Wow. Okay. Ape, if you will. He Ape. wasn't. He wasn't a monkey. Uh, okay. All right. Not so, a bad pick. I'm with you. All right. I liked it. All right, so now... Oh, boy, now we're getting harder. Harder and harder. Now I got uh, I got Padme. I got Padme. Which, you know, uh, Natalie Portman was a good Padme, honestly. She, she wasn't bad. It's because, I, again, one of the things that I really had to... That I was really in, in trying to do this was like... Is, uh, especially when I get into these last three, there's the relationships that are interlocked, and yes. do the do these actors work? Is there chemistry in, with is, these actors? Yeah, can you can you make all this fit? And one of the things, because in uh, Phantom Menace, you have Natalie Portman and you have Jake Lloyd, yep. and there's a nine year age difference. Big difference. And then you come to it's like a brother sister relationship. Yeah, you, almost. you get to Attack of the Clones, and Natalie Portman and Christian Hay- or Hayden Christensen are the same age. They seem to be the same age, and yeah. so because uh, that's the one hormones of those things, are raging. That's one of those things where because I, I wanted I, I wanted to kind of maintain the integrity of that because I didn't just want to like all right if I cast somebody that's a little bit older than Natalie Portman was and somebody yep. that might be a little bit younger than Hayden Christensen was you could still make that gap work. I was like sure. I want to maintain the integrity of the. Casting. I dig it. I dig it. So you're looking at a twenty something actress. So I right went with uh, she. I believe she's twenty two, and I think at the time Natalie Portman was twenty one. Okay, uh, and I. I I hope I don't butch. Uh, Tysa Farmiga, Vera, Vera Farmiga's younger sister, who is in no the way. Nun. She yep. has a younger sister that's actually. She she was in the Nun. She was the the girl in the Nun. No kidding. Yep. Didn't know that. Which I liked because you have Vera Farmiga in the Conjuring universe. Did you know that she was the host of Unsolved Mysteries for a short period? I did not know that actually. <laughs> I could be making that up. <laughs> that, you know what? You sold me on it like that. No, I think she was actually the host of Unsolved Mysteries before, like in between. Who was the regular host of Unsolved Robert Stack? Yeah, but in between, Rob, like after Robert Stack, for like a few months, she was the host. Hey, I that's think. that's fine by me. People like tell me I'm wrong in the comments. You know you want to. <laughs> tell him he's right because he <laughs> is. Just go with the lie. Confirm go. how right he is. Yes, because you know what, Robert Stack, straight into the Farmiga. Just and go. Stack go to Farmiga, and he's dead. He's dead. Give her a chance. We talk a lot about a, a lot, a lot of dead people on this show. We do, we do. But at least again, natural causes that we yep. know of. That I'm now in suicide. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not privy to the autopsy, but I would imagine natural causes. He was. Old. I am, and he was. He was. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Ron has access to the, to the autopsy files, and mm-hmm. he died of natural causes. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, I read it on Reddit. That's basically no, that's the same fine. thing, that's right? The same thing. That okay, works. I thought so. It's on the internet. It's on the internet. There's an integrity yeah, to it. Yeah, it's Reddit's even more more reputable than Wiki. Yes. Apparently. Yep. That's how I interpret the internet. According to my friend, I didn't ever yes. met. Yeah. Okay. So, so so what's her name again? Uh, Tysa Farmigo. And she was in the Nun. She was in the Nun, and because I, I wanted somebody, because she to me, um, w- having seen the Nun, and I, I wanted to like the Nun a lot more than I than I did. Same. It was, yeah. It was not. It just, yeah. It was one of the weaker uh, entries in that the, in that universe. The character of the Nun has a really terrifying visage. Her face, I mean, she just really strikes fear. I was fear. very, I but was the, not happy the, with the nun in, in Conjuring too. The way the way they set it all up, I was just like, yeah, this just kind of falls flat. But um, Tysa, Tess, I, I, it's T A I S S A, so I I feel like that's how it's pronounced. I don't know. We'll go with that. Well, I'm gonna go with that. Tell us if we're right if or I, wrong. If, or if don't. I'm, yeah, 
just tell me something. Anything. I don't <laughs> tell care. me something good. Just yeah, tell me. Something. Is I'm the just... McRib back? I want to <laughs> know. Can I get a shamrock? Can we get some some uh, some some Sichuan sauce? Did you fix the the ice cream machine yet? No, of course not. I don't need anybody to that tell was, me that. That was purely in jest. <laughs> I know the answer is no. Always no. Um, but now that's interesting because Natalie Portman was already a pretty well known actress. Yes. You're going with mostly an unknown, and I like you take these risks. You did the same thing with with Starling from yes. Silence of the Lambs. You went with Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts. So now you're going with another young actor. Yes. And uh, who's who's mainly known for uh, a disappointing horror movie. Horror movie. But I, I think there's I think there's a, knowing how well her her older sister has done mm -hmm. and how versatile she is and how because uh, in in because uh, my other two that I had um, uh, was Haley Steinfeld um, she was in Bumblebee <clears throat> I like her a lot uh, the I think the one thing that kept me from she wanting, was also Spider Gwen from the Spider Verse movie yes. She's she's in everything. She kind of is. She really yeah. is in everything. Right that might have been an easier choice. And because uh, then my, my third choice was uh, Haley Lou Richardson, and she was just in the Five Feet Apart movie. She's been. She was in. Uh, she was actually with Haley Steinfeld in the movie uh, um, Seventeen. Uh, what was it? Something about the, Woody Harrelson was in it too. I forget the name of it now. Oh. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but uh, um, both both of them to me felt like because around they're all I think about the same age. Yeah. Um, they played much. I'm, by younger. the way, I'm failing you. I should have IMDb up right, right now. I'm, I fail myself all the time. Freaking suck. I'm so used to failure. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even see it. It's just I'm just so inundated with failing in life. Um, You're uh, a winner in my book, pal. <laughs> that was corny. <laughs> no, it works. It works. For me. Please continue. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up. It's like the sunny side of seventeen. I know. I yeah, know it's, it's not a, that exactly. I wish it would have been titled that because that would make me feel a lot better. I like that title. That's a much better title. I'm gonna um, get there. I'm but gonna, uh, the edge of seventeen. The edge of seventeen. I did it with the internet's help. Which I own that movie, but I've not watched it yet. I have wanted to see things. that movie. It looked things. really cute. I love yes. Woody Harrelson in those types of roles. Um, but so you almost went with her. I almost but went with you her. Didn't. Um, Tyson Farmiga to me, especially when I was considering the role again. Um, she felt like the most capable to be young, I mean, mm -hmm. 21, 22 years old, and be able to play somebody that exerts a good amount of authority and thinking about that final battle scene, somebody that's going to be able to get in there and get a little bit scrappy. I, mean, I she, like that you see, like, a lot of these castings, I take known commodities. You like to take chances on. And that's cool that you do that. You're a risk taker. You're a risk taker. Like, I would have I would have easily have gone with the Haley girl from, from the Bumblebee movie. Like, that would have been my <clears> easy layup. When we get to Forrest Gump, you're going to be rolling your eyes quite a bit because I, I I went the cheap ride in a lot right. of times. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why we have the dollar store. Because uh, I'm the that. dollar store of casting. <laughs> That's what I am. <laughs> Everything's a dollar. That's me. Dollar. One dollar. Are we going to cast this movie? It's going to be eight dollars. Yeah, it's going to just cost you eight bucks. <laughs> movie studios love me, though. That's yep. like what I do. Hey. Warner Brothers would hire me in a second. Yeah. Warner Brothers, I'm available. No one would hire me because we're like, because <laughs> you keep taking chances. Just like, People you, you don't even have on contract. You're just like, ah, uh, Emma Rob, like Julia Roberts' niece. No. Gimme. <laughs> She's wonderful. I like her. I liked her in uh, even in the uh, what was the comedy that she was in? We're the Millers. Yes. I mean, when she was kissing Jennifer Aniston, I felt something. Magical. I felt magic. <laughs> she was in a movie I watched the other day, um, Celeste and Jesse Forever, with. Uh, 
That Rashida, sounds like a Netflix original. With Rashida Jones. And, I love uh, Rashida Jones. And uh, Andy Samberg. And I love Andy Samberg. I'll have to check that out. It's on It's on Crackle. Ooh. If you want to watch it, you can watch it on Crackle for <laughs> with free. Comer- with free commercial breaks. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Let me tell you, a lot of them. All I was right. like, can we just get through this movie already, please? Uh, I hate that. I hate that. Can I just get the can I get the premium membership so I can not do these commercials? You can't. It's just free. That's what I do with the YouTubes, man. Yeah, the YouTube. I just pay that nine bucks and like not have to worry about ads. Okay. Oh my All god. Right. Now we're getting down to the really so, nitty gritty. So I've got so, Anakin and Obi Wan left. Oh my god. Which which one do you want? Well, I mean, I want Anakin last. So go okay. ahead and give me Obi Wan. You know, we already had a great Obi Wan, Obi Wan, with you and McGregor, but but you got to replace him. That's the rules of the game. And and it's it was it was tough. Mm, I bet. Um, and uh, the I had I had an epiphany. He's playing Danny and Doctor Sleep coming up. Soon. Yes, which Can't I'm excited about. Me I'm too. very excited. About Me that. too. Um, he um, he was he he had some clout um, going into the Star Wars franchise. It was he was not an unknown. Oh yeah. <clears throat> but I don't. I, I would, he was I would, an indie actor. At I that would. Point. Yeah, I would hesitate to say he was a household name. I think Obi Wan really made him. I think. That. Yeah, he did that, and then he did a Bruck, uh, like a Michael Bay Bruckheimer type film called yeah. The Island. Yes. Right after that, yep. and then he stopped acting. It seemed like yeah, he was just was like living he was... off his Star Wars checks for quite Which, a while. If you can, eh, why not? And then he showed up in Christopher Robin. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> and it was delightful. It, well, I fell asleep. <laughs> I can tell you, it was a little I, too delightful. I stayed awake the entire time. It was delightful. Okay. It was much better than Goodbye Christopher Robin with uh, uh, what, what's that, what's that guy? He's uh, he's uh, Tom Hanks. No. Val Kilmer. He was. Uh, He's he's the he's General Hux. Um, oh yeah, okay. One of the one of the uh, Harry Potter something, kids. Something Gleason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Gleason um, kid. We'll just call him that Gleason. The Gleason kid. kid. <laughs> Jackie Gleason. <laughs> no, no, not that Jackie Gleason. Brent, Brennan, Brendan Gleason. Brendan Gleason. Dad. That's his dad. Yeah, um, you're right. You're right. But I can't. And remember. I like him quite a bit. Is that his, his father? Starts, okay. His father. I think his name starts with a D. I think D. Doll Howard Gleason. Gleason. That's what we're gonna go. <laughs> I like that. I don't even know it was a name. Dalma here. Dalma, Greg and Dharma. Um, <laughs> Greg and Dharma Gleason. <laughs> but he played uh, he played Chris Robin in the. Uh, okay. Or no, he played A.A. Uh, a. A. Milne, the guy who wrote Winnie the Pooh. He played Chris Robin. Care. We're, we're, I don't care. You should. <laughs> okay, because, I'm, I'm with you. I care. Because I don't know if you know it or not, even though you edit the podcast, this this is the surprise. <laughs> this do. is This is the punked. Reveal this whole podcast yeah. is actually a Christopher Robin Winnie the Pooh podcast. Oh, that is that what we're That's doing what right we're, now? This, this we keep burying surprise. the podcast lead. It's a Winnie we've the Pooh. We've been a we've been an NFL podcast. Yep. We we've we've done many different types of podcasts. We've done a lot of podcasts. We make you wait a good we we go meet about an hour. Yep, about an hour. Yeah, okay. Because you should. You we should bury wait. the lead. We bury it deep. Wait deep. Okay, so, man. Um, Who Obi-Wan is it? No, we. Taron Egerton. Played Exit mm. in the, uh, and he played Robin Hood most recently. He played Robin Hood most recently, which yep. I really enjoyed. I, I was I was sad that that did not do better. I didn't. I think expected it, was it to be really good. Yeah, um, the one with Jamie Fox. It was. I, I really because I think the thing is with stories like that, you have the that Tarzan, King Arthur. I feel like those never. It's the do. public domain. It's it's one of those like. It's people, not a Marvel franchise. People don't care enough about the story to yeah. want to see it because they know yeah. the story. Well, they've seen um, they well they've already seen Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Yeah. Carrie Elways. We've seen uh, Carrie Elways in the role. We and we've seen a Fox Russell play. Russell Crowe. 
Russell, ugh, yeah, that, that wasn't so, good, I don't think. But, um, it looked fun. It looked it, way more fun it. than the Russell Crowe movie. I enjoyed it considerably. It's and on HBO now. Check it out. I love Taron Egerton. I own it, so if you want to come over, because I'm not doing anything okay. later. All right. Um, I'm going to come over right now. I'm just yeah. going to stop doing this stop. podcast. Let's <laughs> just drive to your house right now and pick it up. Here we are at Adam's apartment. Yeah. (laughs) That was great. We just watched it, and he was right. That was was a good problem. Um, But he's, because in thinking of the character again, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you have have somebody now, he's he's been charged with kind of the raising of of Anakin. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he has to be in this... He's he's got a mature aspect to his role, but he absolutely also has, yeah. There's an immaturity yes, to it too because yes. he's a very young master. Yes. Um, and he's and he plays off that. That's I think one of the things that that works well for there, his character. He's spontaneous. Yes. He, but he like you said he can be mature. And there's That's there's tough. a wit there's a wit to him as, as well because he has some he keeps Anakin in check. They play off each other very well, and so I. Um, Before he cuts his legs off. Yes. Prior to slicing off his legs and leaving him for dead on a volcano planet. <laughs> Um, there's such a, a good friendship. The things are pretty good. Things yeah, are pretty they were, okay. They were fa- they were swell. So I was, you know, I was like, you know what, Taron Egerton, yeah. you know, he really has kind of come into good his own. Um, and he, I, I feel like because I had, I had Matthew, Elton John, he was most recently he Elton was, John. He, was, he played Elton John. Mm, for God's sake, he was the Rocket Sir Man. Elton John. Um, I had, I had Matthew Lewis. He played Neville Longbottom in uh, the Harry Potter franchise. Probably, um, I'm glad you went with who you did. I, and then I had Nicholas Holt. He, I like Nicholas. Holt. He's 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 got a lot. Of, he's got a lot of play. I just I doubted his ability to really um, balance the duality of the of the role. And I was yeah. like, you know, Taron Egerton, he was he was in the first Kingsman movie. He was a kid. He was a yep. punk. He was yep. young. Yep. Then you get to Golden Circle, and you have that immaturity to him, but you also have an experience that's like, okay, he yeah. he can he can handle himself. He so has but, some range. Um, so that's that's five out of my six castings there. So that. That means we're it means we're down to you're Anna. doing you're do, okay you're doing better than Lucas did I'm just yes. gonna go ahead and say now the the big one this is the big one this is the big this one is big who's gonna play Anakin Skywalker <clears throat> previously Hayden Christensen's I went role of a lifetime I went with Lucas Hedges who is he was in Manchester by the Sea okay I haven't seen that um, he I didn't feel like crying um, he he's been he's been in a number of things. I notated Manchester by the Sea because that's where I, I'm most known. But oh, he's been he's been in, in a number of things. So you went with then. a largely unknown, <clears throat> smaller indie type film actor. He's yes. Um, and the thing the thing about Lucas Hedges is he has from the things that I've seen him in, he has a, a he he's a young kid. He's 21, um, yep. so he he hits that mark. Well, he has to be young. Um, yeah. And then because the, the the dynamic then between him and Tysa Farmiga. I was like, okay, because that was I the the whole puzzle of this. I needed everything to fit. I was like, he can pl- he plays young well. So is there any was, heat? Um, and I was like, between the two of them, I could see I could see a, a chemistry. I could see because uh, he's 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 got a little bit of a cockiness to his attitude, which I think fits the young Anakin, the the Attack of the Clones Anakin. Yeah. Um, and even even though it wasn't part of the whole process, it was like okay, thinking about him, you know, in in the progression of the character. Would would he be able to, um, you know, there there's a part of him that you need to you need to side with, especially in Revenge of the uh, the Sith. You you need to like him, but yeah. I felt like he could make that progression towards the dark side more believable. Um, and I feel like he could play younger to Tysa Farmiga's uh, Padme. I felt like they could mix really well. I felt like his relationship with Obi Wan would really uh, mesh. 
And then I felt like, okay, when he's reporting the Jedi Council, he would look like this kid, uh, you know, and they would still really doubt him. Um, but he just, he, it was like, I was going through, I had to. I was going to ask you, so yes. Casey Affleck was the main actor in Manchester by the Sea. And was yes. he related to Casey Affleck in that role? He was his nephew. Okay. That's what um, I was going to ask. And uh, uh, I, had, I had Joe Keery from uh, Stranger Things, Steve. Okay. Was, All right. Yeah. Uh, he he kind of he he's he's a capable enough actor. Um, I liked him. His progression from season one to season two. Yeah. Um, I saw, it was it wasn't bad. Yeah. He was a one note guy yeah. in season one for sure. Um, and so I saw a progression that you, I could uh, I could believe in. And then uh, Ross, I wouldn't have hated it. Ross Lynch. Um, he had a, he had a Disney show, Austin and a- Alley, I think, okay. or something like that. But he also what what I liked about him. Well, he this also, is a Disney movie after all, right? He, now. He, he they would have redo Jeffrey it. Jeffrey Dahmer as well. Ooh, wow. So wow. He, um, but uh, Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges is my Anakin. And I feel like, because I think he was, he may have been nominated for something for Manchester by the Sea. But he, it was, he, he covered a lot of, um, a lot of really bold, strong emotions there. And I, I'm trying to think, I need to look it up now, because he was, he's been in something more recently, and I should have. Here's what I like about your, your list. It's, it's a lot of, um, Younger Hollywood unknowns with potential. You didn't. You didn't uh, star cast it. No. Nope. Uh, Taron would be like probably the most famous notable actor in that situation. Yep. But you kind of have to have a name. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's 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 the kind of casting where you'd look at it if you were reading the web pages like we would be yep. doing and go, I can't hate this because I don't know these are unknown commodities for the most part. He was Lucas Edwards was also in Lady Bird, uh, played Danny O'Neill. Oh, okay. Uh, he was in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, he was uh, Francis McDormand's uh, younger son. The the character in Lady Bird was that the the love interest? Of... I think I haven't seen it yet. Oh, oh that's yeah. such a good movie. Yeah, you that's check I've that heard. Out. And he was in mid '90s, which I also have, but I haven't seen yet. Okay, I haven't seen that. He's most no- one of his other things he's most known for is Moonrise Kingdom. The uh, what's his face? Um, is that Wes a... Anderson? Wes Anderson. Okay, yep. yeah. But, so he's 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 been around some some really bold big actors in his career, yeah, and been in a lot of and directors, that, yeah, that have that have garnered a lot of notoriety. So I like it. <clears throat> that's, that's so here my... here's the thing. Now we I'm gonna throw a curveball because I did not do I did not think of this myself in terms of Forrest Gump with Robert Zemeckis. But did you on your own go on and, and look at a possible new director other than George Lucas? I I, I did not. Okay. Um, okay. <sighs> but because uh, be- he might be the guy that the most needs to recast it, he, he should not like the because a lot of people think, oh George Lucas, I love George Lucas, I love yeah. the original Star Wars. Uh, yeah. He only directed the original Star one, Wars. just one. He didn't do Empire and he didn't do nope. Jedi. The one um, that people, the two that people love the most. Well, I mean that's not fair. People love New Hope, but he, Empire for certain. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those where you you could almost make the case for a New Hope that it was a fluke. Yeah, you kind of was really and truly. It's like you've had you had two other directors take the same characters and make movies that people enjoyed on a larger scale, on a larger in scale. different way, in different mm-hmm. ways. Yep. The, it, it gets the credibility of being the original. So yep. Yep. the universe only exists because George Lucas created it. So he it wouldn't exist has, if not for the first. He always has that on on his uh, on his dance card there. So I, I think I think he would have done himself a greater service if he had just stayed away from the prequels and let somebody else do them. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's really I mean that and Howard the Duck kind of tarnish his name because <laughs> those are not great movies. Willow was okay. Um, Willow was okay. Those are not great movies. No, uh, Willow was okay. 
That's recently but, uh, solved for the first act. I still haven't. Um, it's okay. It's okay. If you've seen Lord of the Rings, though, don't. Yeah, I don't care for Lord of the Rings. I'm, I'm not a Lord. <laughs> it's, it's a low rent Lord of the Rings, yeah, so you see, really shouldn't. That's exciting for me. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to see that Willow film. It was okay. It was okay. <laughs> it was better than I thought it was going to be. It had Val Kilmer in it. It did. It did. It had uh, Batman. It had Batman. It had Batman in it. Well done, sir. Thank you. I think you did a good job. Um, it that cast doesn't excite me, but let let good young actors try and elevate these roles. Like, don't I, I'm always in favor of casting young unknown Hollywood types than big stars in iconic roles. Always, always. And uh, we we were having this conversation outside of the podcast. We um, do that sometimes. We we talk we talk from time to time. Um, and because because uh, we work at Jersey Mike's together. Jersey Mike's. He does the bread. I do the uh, cold cuts. Sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't break the fourth wall. <laughs> there's walls. <laughs> there's one, two, three, <laughs> four. I'm not good at counting. <laughs> Four either. walls. <laughs> You're not good at walls. I'm not good at walls. Hold up those walls. I'll just say that. I'll just throw it out there. I'm not good at walls. <laughs> but I'm not I re- known I, for walls. Nope. No one knows me. No one associates me with walls. Ever. Adam the Wall Peterson. Nope. Never happened. Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm sorry. Where were you going? I'd be horrible at the border. Ooh, political oh, humor. Oh, no, no. This, this is... I don't want to go there. We just turned it into a political podcast. No, we didn't. You can tune out now. I don't watch the news. I don't either. <laughs> I just, I just have my news feed of entertainment sites. Yep. Hey, is... Marvel is 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 the Avengers going to pass Avatar? Hopefully. Possibly. Hopefully. Possibly. Fingers crossed. I saw. What? Why do people care? That's the funny thing. Is like you you in particular. I like, want it to be number I, one. I, I I honestly don't care. Like I it would be kind of cool, but like I like Avatar. I don't care if Avatar's record gets broken. But if you get on like websites and like message boards and Reddit in particular, like people are really invested. They're, yeah. They're Big time invested. They want it. They want to see. I saw a funny meme. It was uh, it was the Navi, the main Navi in from Avatar. He was jogging, and then you had Captain America, and it said on your left. And I was like, I know what they're talking about. I got that reference. I understand that reference. I understand that reference. I saw one as well. It had um, I I I didn't ever make it through Avatar, um, but uh, I know that Zoe Saldana. You never made it through Avatar. I tried. I tried twice. It's James Cameron, man. I can't. Watch All this right. Anymore. All right. Now this I understand. Now I understand why you want you want in game to pass yes. it so badly because you never finished Avatar. But the, the it had Zoe Saldana's character from Avatar, yeah. and then it had Gamora, and I said if you want to make a multi billion dollar movie, just paint Zoe Saldana a different color. <laughs> That's so go. true. You know what was great about that meme that I just talked about with on your left? Anthony Mackie posted it on his Twitter. <laughs> oh, Anthony Mackie, <laughs> the was. Falcon, the Falcon, new Captain America, apparently. Yeah. All right, so, so should we move on let's to do it. Uh, my... Let's do it. Let's, let's uh, go Forrest Gump. Let's get some Forrest we're, we're just going to roll through this pretty quick, because none of my answers are just going to be all that great. They're not going to be very interesting. Uh, Eddie Murphy plays everybody. Eddie Murphy, that's how I do every time with my casted better. Plump party of six, and we're hungry. So, where... How? Do, okay, you tell me. I like, I like this. You tell me who you want first. So here's who I casted. Okay, well, here's yeah. who I casted. I'll let you know. Uh, obviously, Forrest Gump. I casted Jenny, Jenny, Lieutenant Dan, Mama, uh, Young Forest, okay, Bubba, Bubba, and the Lady on the Bench. 
The lady on the bench. The lovely lady on the, the bench. First lady? Who's, yeah, the first lady. Okay. Not the guy, not the the other guy. The main lady. The main lady. The main lady on the bench. So can you tell me who you want to hear from first? Um let's let's do let's do Young Forest. I was gonna go Lady on the Bench, but let's do Young Forest. I wanna know Young Forest. So this this was perfect. So the person I picked for Young Forest, who was originally acted by Michael Connor Humphreys, who was just an adorable little great. forest gum. Just perfect. I went with Ian Armitage, who plays young Sheldon in the TV show. Young okay. Sheldon. That is who I'm with. I now, like it. I, like I, it. I, I look at him and I go, he's got a little bit of a southern draw. He's yep. perfect for Forrest. He's got that cute little look. Yep. He has, as far as I know, he's only been in the young, you know, young yeah. Sheldon. Uh, I didn't look at his whole catalog of movies, but just from the looks of him, I thought he would be a good little Forrest. I can see that. I like and that. And it's, you know, and they, they went and got an unknown for yep. young Forrest in the original. But I figured, like, Forrest is so big, you might need to go ahead and get a bigger name. And, you know, like, I don't know how young Sheldon's going to go on. It's certainly never going to be as big as, as big the Big Bang Theory. But it's fun. But it is it's, cute. It's cute. And Laurie Metcalf's actual uh, daughter plays her in, as a younger Is version. that right? Yep. Nice. I didn't know that. Yep. I love more Laurie Metcalf. All right, so there's your young Sheldon, or okay. your young Forrest, I'm sorry. Okay. Who, who would you like to hear from next? All right, let's get the lady on the bench. Let's get The her. lady on the bench. This was so easy. You think the lady on the bench. I you're thinking, ladies. close. Think another. <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. I, I went with Octavia Spencer. Oh, very nice. Octavia Spencer nice. is the lady on the bench. Uh, she's taking over for Rebecca Williams, who I'm not familiar with, and who she was lovely. Let's just get Rebecca Williams back yeah. and be the lady on the bench again. But I went with Octavia Spencer. I like she it. she's just she's a southern charmer. Yes, that, she that really is. She, I love her very much, and I could see her coming and doing a small because it's a bit role to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Really, it, it's just a few scenes, but important scenes. Yeah, and you know Octavia Spencer could totally pull that off. It keeps the pacing of the movie. Yes, it's. People, yeah, that's exactly would, what it is. People it's just would underestimate to move it, to yeah. the next flashback, yep. more or less, is what you got. Yep. Okay. Who would no. you like to hear from next? Um, and you didn't recast Elvis, right? We're sticking <laughs> with Kurt Russell. Okay. No. Um, Wait, uh, what? Kurt Russell was Elvis in Forrest yes. Gump? I didn't know that. Yes. That uh, seems oddly perfect. A tantalizing tidbit of trivia. Yeah. Ooh. With alliteration on top. Ah, sizzles. Just sizzles on the tongue. Um, let's see. All right, so that's so you've got five five left, right? Five left, yeah. Um, let's let's do Bubba. I want to I want to know Bubba. Okay, so I'm thinking of the characters of of Bubba and Forrest are the same age, basically. Yes. So I'm like, who am I going to cast? Who are in their thirties? What character? Because Bubba was originally played by an actor I'm not real familiar with, McKelty Williamson. He's I've I've seen him in a couple of things, and he was awesome. Bubba is by far his biggest role. Yeah, he'll always be Bubba. So I'm thinking, who can I get? Who has the look of Bubba? That's all I really had to go off of. Who has the look of Bubba? And I look, and I could, I, you put that little, like, because he had that sort of separator between his gum yes. and his bottom lip. You put that in, Anthony Mackie could be an excellent Bubba. Okay, I think. yep, I could do that. That's who I went with. Um, I, You know, Anthony Mackie's an interesting actor. Like, we talk about him from time to time. It's like, do we really like Anthony Mackie? He's... It kind of depends on his role. Yeah. He, he, he's, I would hesitate to say hit or miss because he's more hit than he is miss. Um, but you, yeah, uh, for sure. I, I feel like if he's not, um, if he's not committed to the role or the role doesn't really suit him, then it's not difficult for him to be miscast in a role simply because 
He's in this. I think he would be. Uh, he would be a great Bubba. I think he would be a good Bubba. I and think he could pull he's, it off. He's a likable guy. He if is. Nothing else. And if Bubba is anything, he's likable. Yeah. He's he's simple. He's likable. And the character that like made me think a lot about um, Anthony Mackie in this role was that Jerry Bruckheimer movie, The Pain and Gain. Yes. That that performance yep. from Anthony Mackie, which I think is kind he's of very my favorite. Eager, very, yeah. Yeah, he's he's very simple. All he wants to do is like he's he's just trying to get big. It's all yep. he's trying to do, and you know like that that's it. I mean he's just he's I think he's likable enough. I think Bubba. That's all he's really got going for. Because that's his that's one of the hardest parts to capture about Bubba is kind of the simple, endearing nature of his dedication to. Um, yes, sports. because just because you're simple doesn't make you no. likable. In a lot no. of instances, that makes you unlikable. Yeah. So I think I, Anthony Mackie could yeah. pull that off. Or or Ronald Funches. Ronald Funches. A, <laughs> what is he from? He's from some comedies, right? He's a, he's a comedy guy. Yeah, he's a he's a comic. But I, I like I like Anthony Mackie. Okay, I'm, thank I'm you. Wa- I'm watching this movie so far. So I'm, far, so good. I'm definitely watching. All right, movie. all right. So we got right. we got four big names to go. Really, okay, here. the so, top four bills, basically. Uh, let's do. Let's you do want Mama? mama. You want Mama? mama. Okay. Mama. This this was um. Marissa Tomei. <laughs> no. You just followed the natural progression. <laughs> Sam no, to I, I went Susan Sarandon for Ooh. Mama. Okay. Um, I was, I'm, but here's the thing: I'm, I'm wondering if she might be too old for the role. Well, when you said that, that was my my knee jerk reaction. But yeah. I think, I think if you if you did something like what you did with Sam Jackson in uh, Captain Marvel, because you, I mean, that's you could pull her age back a little well, bit. Well, here's the other thing too. In That's My Boy, which is only about 4 or 5 years old, yeah. she she looked excellent. She, she looked really she's good aged in it. tremendously well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now, if you what was the movie with her and uh, Melissa McCarthy? Uh Tammy. Tammy. Yeah. Now she looked old in that, but you could but I mean you could fix on, her up. Could, and I think they did that on purpose. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. Susan Sarandon can still look fine enough. And, you know, Mama for a good portion of the movie is in her deathbed anyway, yeah. so it's not like she has to look no, glamorous she's, by any stretch of the imagination. She's she's important, um, character wise, but she's not a huge part of the movie. I think they make her. I think they could make her look young enough for those early for formative early, yeah. years of, of Forest for the 10, 15 minutes or so. I, I think so. I think so I, I love Susan Sarandon. I love how I, I love. Once again, I'm trying to think of actors. Not once again, but just to kind of let you in on my thought process. Actors who could pull off Southern good enough, and that's that's because that's not that's not the easiest thing in the world. No, not that's really. Not. They usually have to bring in English actors to yeah. pull off a Southern accent. They, for some reason. That's it takes takes some doing. People think you just oh I can be a Southern, yeah. I can, but there's there's a lot, to, and I think with you can become offensive a bit with with a Southern accent. Oh, because anytime anytime you're doing a specific accent, um, it's you can't you can't think about what you're saying. You just have to be in that mode. You have to be, that has to be your whole thought process. You can't be, I'm like, all right, next I have to say this. So I need to, like, it just has to be natural. As a person who's pretty d- decent at, at doing other accents, I'll have to take your word for that. Oh, I think you're talking, because if you, I, I think we've seen Bobcat, Pee-wee, like, I've, <laughs> they've seen far more of your voice talent. Than no, I, no, but you, you could pull off a very good English person, an Irish person. You can That's do, true. you know, you, you're good. You're good. You haven't really had a chance to show it off. You've done your Peter Griffin a few times. I, I've had, uh, over the course of my life, had a lot of time to myself, oddly <laughs> enough, all by myself. Um, and that's how I chose to use it, was to get decent at other accents. And you, and I, I would be the 
I would be the first to say, and I think we could all agree, that time has not been wasted. Yeah. Time well spent, even though you haven't been able to pull it out all that often on the podcast. <laughs> but no, Susan Sarandon, I, I think she's, I, she, she has to be from the South. I like Because that. every role she ever does, she kind of plays the Southern charm, like yeah. the client, uh, Bull Durham, uh, you name it. You know, she's kind of the... So she has a southern twang to her, and especially especially when you think about like the you know, again the role of Mama is not huge, but very 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 important. Yeah, to the very context important. of the movie. Yeah, he quotes Mama constantly the through the movie, and she she has she has that way about her that you would believe. Okay, this is a lady who would have been imparting wisdom on yes. on wisdom. Forrest throughout his life. Yep, and because they're like that early scene um, when uh, it's it's Mama and the principal of the school. Mm -hmm. um, there's a um, there's a duality because she's she's this very proper southern woman. Yes. she's you know she runs a horse. She's, she's very respectable, and then all of a sudden, you know the the way in which she's going to make sure that uh, that uh, Forrest gets the education he needs, she uh, she has to she has to dress it down a bit to to be couth yes. as I speak about that. Um, I don't want to be uncouth. I was going to say, I usually use that word with the un prefix. Yeah, I took the un off and just went couth. You went straight couth. She um, was couth. But but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm still, I'm right there. I like I like Susan Sarandon there. Okay. So are you watching this movie so I'm, far? I'm watching the movie. We'll see if I get, if I lose you whether or not on the la on the final three actors. The, right, the top so, build three actors. Basically. So we've got Lieutenant Dan, we've got Jenny, and we've got Forrest. Yep. Who do you want? Um, who do you want next? Give me, give me Lieutenant Dan. Joel Edgerton. Ooh. For Gary Sinise. Okay. He is the Gary Sinise of the 2010s. I mean, this if you look at his his body of work, he specializes in characters that are characters, yep. not necessarily you know, starring vehicles. Yeah. And I I think he's wonderful in movies like Warrior. Yep. I think he's awesome in movies like what was that movie with where he played like a villain? And it had, um, um, oh gosh, it had, uh, who was Michael Bluth? Um, oh, you're talking about The Gift. The Gift, uh, yeah, yes. The gift. He was really good in that. Yeah. Super creepy. Uh, American, what, what was the movie? Like, no, uh, Black, uh, uh, they had Johnny Depp as the uh, uh, Black Mass. Yeah, he was really good in Black Mass. Yep. Like he's, an, he's a good, Gringo. capable actor. I really, really like him. Yeah. I haven't seen Bright, but I assume he's just okay in that. <laughs> it, it, the, when you when you think about him, because uh, we were just talking about uh, it comes at night as well. Mm, yeah, um, love that movie. Yeah. When when you think about um, the roles that he takes, yep. um, they suit supporting him well. roles. They they suit him well. Yep. Um, he owns them uh, quite adeptly, and he's he can be very transformative. Because um, especially with the character of Lieutenant Dan, yeah. um, there's there's a there's a theme throughout it, but him as a character changes dramatically from you know Lieutenant Dan when you meet him to Lieutenant Dan in the middle of the movie, yeah. and then even Lieutenant Dan at the close of the movie. He has the greatest um, art, yeah, throughout the movie. There's sure. so there's there's a lot of you know to go from the you know the straight laced military guy with this long history, you know you 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 got to have a very you know. Uh, stately kind of uh you know commanding joel edgerton which you, you can have then when you have him you know after the legs are amputated and he's in the wheelchair you know you know he, he's very bitter but he's still you know he's still in he, there's relationship with forest is yeah important. it's something about forest yeah keeps him like his humanity yeah you know like 
forest remained this constant in his life you know like he at first his forests forests like constant upbeatness yeah. and 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 you know positive outlook on life and really just simple he's just a simple yeah. person annoys him but he kind of depends on it a lot like it keeps him alive. It keeps him, he has a purpose. You you see because you see the kind of the the depravity that he falls into when uh, Forrest meets back up with him when he's at on New, New Year's. Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I loved about that, and there's so many of these things that I think really just get overlooked when people just watch it. Yeah. Um, is you know this this guy who has had everything taken away from him. Everything that he knows and everything he loves, everything that he believes in, has been. Yeah, he wanted to die in combat. Yeah. He wanted to die a hero in combat, just like all of it, like his his father, his grandfather, his fa- his great great grandfather. They all died in combat, saving their units. And, and Forrest what, takes that, that away from him. And so he's there's there's a real anger, and it's it's one of those things like when you think about the character as a person, like okay, this should have created a significant divide. In their relationship, and it yeah. put a strain on it, but I don't think. Yeah. It, it well, didn't... Forrest wouldn't let it sever it completely. Yeah. Like his his kind heart and his determination just to see the good in everyone would not allow it to be severed. And a person like you or I would be like, whatever, Lieutenant Dan, yeah. you know, whatever. Forget it. Just Forget go on, me. go on, drink yourself to death. Yeah. But he finds him on New Year's Eve. They celebrate together, and then Lieutenant Dan ends up standing up for him when they're yeah. with the two. Uh, when so they like, say he's stupid, yeah, yeah the hookers. He, the he comes, he comes back to it. And it's like, okay, I love that scene so much. It, yeah. it really, it really demonstrates the bond that they have, and you're like, and the strength of it, and how it's lasted throughout that entire time. It's like, oh, that's, and that I think that propels that relationship into the finality of the movie through the... That's really the sweetest relationship with Forrest yeah. throughout the movie. It's not with Jenny. It's with no. Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. And if if Bubba's relationship had been longer lasting, that probably would have rivaled it. But Yeah, it, it they were two peas in a pod for sure. It didn't have the opportunity to, and no. that was where the relationship with Lieutenant Dan really outshines that one. So it is, that's an important... It, all of these things, Forrest is obviously the constant through everything, and there's these little vignettes that he has with different people throughout his life. But Lieutenant Gary Dan, Sinise and Tom Hanks had such a believable yeah. like r- like relationship. I just really credits them as two actors. We'll see whether or not my choice as Forrest Gump will, because okay. you know it's gonna the whether the movie or not is good. Uh, it's gonna depend on whether or not Joel Edgerton has good chemistry with my Forrest. With Ike so. <laughs> You see my my. <laughs> you looked it. over my shoulder, you it. son of a bitch. That's Ike Barinholtz. So we have two. We have right. two left, right? So, yeah. So I got, I got to go, Jenny next. Okay, I Jenny. This was hard. Now, originally, you 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 like to do two, sometimes yes. often three. Yes. Choices, and you pick the best of the three. I kept changing on this. Now, my initial pick was Amy Adams. Okay. Okay. And Amy Ad, but I mean that's almost too easy. Like Amy Adams is great in everything. Now I eventually went with in the end Drew Barrymore, because I th- I see the duality of her, Drew Barrymore's real life, yeah, and the Jenny character, yeah, you know like there starts out sweet and innocent through her formative like you know the, there there there's a period of her life where she kind of becomes this out of control. There is a cloud over Jenny's life. Yeah, searching for something. And then, yeah. then, you know, being sort of, I don't want to say that Drew Barrymore was taking advantage of, but she was like this party girl for yeah. a while. That was a reputation, at least. But then and but then regaining traction at some point in her yes. adult life and becoming a, an adult, like yeah. a real-life person. And I could see Drew Barrymore doing that. Now, what I'm worried about is would Drew Barrymore be too old in this role because she is in her 40s. And I think Amy Adams is just right around the same age, but a few years younger. 
you'll when, when we get to when we get to Forrest, we'll we'll see. I I think Drew Barrymore can be compatible with just about anybody because she's just a lovely person, yeah. human being, and she has tons and tons of acting experience. Yeah. So I don't know, like Drew Barrymore. What do you think of that for I, Robin Wright? I I think because it's I think it's the it falls into that same category as Susan Sarandon. Um, it's it's been I haven't watched Forrest Gump probably in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but again, it's one of those things like when you think about these characters, they come and go throughout his life, and even throughout the movie, um, you know, when when you first, I mean, she's uh, she's in college, uh, you know, you see, you see, I mean, because Robin Wright uh, played her as a high schooler, as a college, I mean, throughout the whole. Robin thing, so, Wright did, yeah. So she really, you see her as a little girl you, in the beginning of yeah. the movie, and uh, but yeah, but she does manage just well, just like Tom Hanks manages. So to so play yeah, I mean, you have you have this um, you have this actor that's playing. You know, a high school student, a college student. You know, thirties. I think know, Drew Barrymore still looks youngish. She's, and I, and I think, I think especially with, you know, if you wanted to, you you could do that whole thing. She could pull off, um, she can pull off a mom, but she could. I mean, like when you th- like, uh, um, was never been kissed. Yeah. Which I mean, that was a few years ago, but yeah. she was twenty years she ago was, or so to be. Exact. She was she was in her. Uh, Late twenties, late twenties, I would say, yeah. playing a high school student, sure. and it was convincing. Passably, yeah, it was passably, convincing, sure. So yeah, I, I I buy that, and it it does. I think it's a, I think it's a, I think she would own the character well because she can yes. parallel a lot of life experiences, absolutely. And I think that would really translate well on screen. I think I think that's a solid choice. Yeah, because it's not it's not an easy one to cast. No, it's not. And there, but there's a lot of I mean, because really. You, I mean, Robin Wright doesn't get a whole lot of credit, honestly. No. I think she's more known for being married to Sean Penn or yeah. having been married to Sean Penn than anything. She was Princess Buttercup and Princess, yeah, Princess Bride. Bride. Yep. Yeah, that, and that's kind of been it. I mean, well, obviously she was married. Well, she played in. Uh, uh, she was in uh, House of Cards. House of Cards. Yeah. yeah, which is probably maybe her second most famous role. Yeah. Third, maybe after behind Forrest Gump and, and Princess Buttercup. But Robin Wright, you know, she's she's been all over the place. She's even she, in Wonder Woman, you know. Yeah, she she's was been in that. she's been around for a while. She's, and honestly, like I'm looking at this, and I'm like, Robin Wright could still play Jenny. Yeah, she really could. <laughs> she I mean, really it, would, could. it would not be. I mean, she's she has aged very gracefully. To very graceful. Yeah, Look I, at Robin Wright's IMDb photo, man. She still I, looks I, amazing. I think that's one of those things, like you know, when you're talking about this, like if the only obstacle is that the person may or may not be able to play age. Specific roles is like uh, there's ways you can get around that nowadays. Sure, that's not that's not a hard. Uh, a I, hard I but I see so many like parallels to Drew Barrymore's real life. Yeah, and in some instances, some of the movie roles she picks, like I I could see her taking on that the Jenny role and yeah, doing a really good job. Yep, I could see that. All right, you ready right, for so the main the main actor? Who, recasting who, Tom Hanks. How do you recast Tom Hanks? I'll tell you how. Will Smith. Ooh. Will Smith. <laughs> William Smith. I'm kidding. No, not Will Smith. No, here's here's who I picked. This was so hard. I I went with Bradley Cooper. Okay. As as Forrest Gump. And I think now Bradley you need a guy who is a pretty good dramatic actor who yep. is likable, like Tom Hanks is super likable and has some comedic flair to him. Because I don't think like Forrest necessarily is known for being a hilarious character necessarily, but there's lots of humor. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, he persists in spite of the humor he inspires. Yes, and um, you know I could see Bradley Cooper maybe taking that role on. Uh, the thing that bothers me is like Tom Hanks is like con- very convincingly southern. I don't yeah. know about Bradley Cooper. 
I, I think, because um, uh, we were talking about this the other day with The Star is Born, yeah. I think with the amount of dedication that Bradley Cooper has to his craft, yes. I think he would he would be able to get into a convincing role <coughs> as um, as Forrest, um, especially because I think he would, if he was going to own that role and he was going to do it. And I, th- I think you're right. I think he, he would, would want commit it to be to spot it. on. Yeah, Bradley Cooper is a, I think he's a guy who you look at him and, he, I mean, he kind of came on like, well, let's see, Bradley Cooper early roles were he played Sack from The Wedding Singer. Yeah. Or no, not The oh, Wedding uh, Singer, The, the Wedding, wedding Crashers. He was also in The White Hot, White Hot American Summer. Yep. He was a bit role in that, but I mean, yeah. he came on strong with The Hangover. That's how everybody yeah. knows Bradley Cooper. Yeah. To me, and you know, he's been doing roles here and there. Like, he's just, he's a pretty guy with a Who's likable? He, and he's 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 got he's got more range than I think a lot of people give him credit for. I he, really think he does. Yeah. Um, he, one, in American one, Sniper, I thought he was pretty good. He in was that. great in American Sniper. Yeah. Uh, there's a uh, uh, the Midnight Meat Train, uh, which is a Wait, <laughs> my favorite movie title ever. Yes. <laughs> he was in the Midnight Meat Train. He was the journalist. Holy and, uh, crap! Was the Every time that movie trailer would come on, I would laugh hysterically it's when a, they would it's reveal a the title. title. <laughs> the Midnight Meat Train. Like, wait, what? What? Oh that my one. God! I was not expecting to be referencing Midnight oh, Meat yes. Train in this. If you're episode. bringing Bradley Cooper in it, we're definitely right. <gasps> but it's like I, I I do it mostly to highlight his his range and yeah. ability to. He's come a he long can, way. He yeah. can he can do a lot of different stuff, and he's uh, Rocket Raccoon, man. Well, and I think I think especially because um, you know there's there's kind of this. I think I think when most people think of Bradley Cooper, they probably think of a picture they've seen of him promoting a movie. Mm-hmm. His his transformative ability within movies. Like a lot of the stuff he does, I mean, The Hangover and um, uh, other such role. Like he, it doesn't. T- I mean, he's you know, we want you to have a five o'clock shadow. We want you to have cool hair. We want you to be kind of a bro, yeah. um, and just own that. He's but like a guy too who he's always on the fringe of winning an award for best actor. You know, you think of like the the what was it, the playbook or whatever. Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, he was just as important in that yeah. role as Jennifer Lawrence was. You know, and he, he's always like that guy that, what, what was the movie, too, that had um, Jeremy Renner in it and another Jennifer Lois movie where it was like this back in the 70s and it had... Uh, uh, American uh, Hustle. Yeah, American Hustle. Like he was, you know, in that. Yep. I thought he was like underappreciated in that. He was very well, good in it. And when, when you think of the character that he played at the beginning of Limitless, that guy was a loser. Oh, God, yeah. That Huge was another loser. good movie. Um, and, but again, in that role, he owned he owned the character... From the beginning of the movie to the end, and when you see the transformation of that character, it's the same kind of thing. You could put him, you could put him in the facade of Forrest Gump, and he would. I think he would be able to really own it. And there's not a lot of people. I think you could just drop him into that role, and and because there's 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 a real likability across the board for him too, and that that has to be a part of it. I think Bradley Cooper and Joel Edgerton would be an excellent combination right there. I think they yeah. could really do the Bubba Forrest combination. Yeah. Uh, Justice. Now the the thing is, how will he go? How how would he be with Drew Barrymore? You know, like I, I think Drew's a pro, and I think Bradley's a pro, and they can yeah. make it happen. But I mean, it's not like you look. I mean, you think Tom Hanks and Robin Wright. You know, that's not a name just from looking at it that you would expect to be fireworks or anything. No, and the the because the the biggest part of that whole relationship is the fact that. Um, Forrest sees the the woman that he loves with no flaws. Yes. He just sees, here's this girl who is You're nice right. to me. Yeah. Here's this girl that I've known my whole life. And he loves her with every capable part of his body. 
And for um, Jenny, she couldn't feel any more the opposite. She thinks there's no worth to her and that, you know, entertaining this idea of, of Forrest, she's, she's bad for him. She, you know, they're not, a, they're not a match just because he's so good and yeah. she's so not. Yeah. And so there's, there's a part of that. The relationship um, endures throughout the entire thing because of Forrest's dedication. It's not, one of the, it's not like a romantic comedy where they, oh, it blooms and, oh, we love each other. You're right, yeah. <coughs> it's so chemistry is really not important in yeah. whatsoever at all. Because the, they don't have any chemistry in the movie well and yeah they i mean they they really when you think about them independently they don't make sense no. they're like they're, they're like it's not like oh yeah they were made for each other like, no this this is is a relationship that was born out of um uh some initially out of necessity uh they both needed somebody and they yeah. found somebody yeah. that was was able to kind of fill fill the hole Forrest didn't have any friends. Everybody looked at him weird, and she didn't feel like she deserved any friends because she was, you know, living her. You know, her dad was her dad. And, you know, he was abusing. He was abusing her. So yeah. there's there's a lot of. I mean, you could really get into some of the complex, you know, emotional and mental um, layers that are at work even from the onset with characters, and I think that Bradley Cooper would really both of them would really be able to own, you know, kind of the mentalities and have this kind of. Um, persistent you're making pursuit. me feel really good about these choices <laughs> hey man that's what that's what we do it's a team yeah team masters team cinema masters see that's how we roll this is because this is this is every conversation at uh at the uh, jersey, jersey mics. mics yeah as uh, every one of them starts because <laughs> it starts off with something silly or ridiculous yeah and we kind of dance through all yeah, that. yeah. then because we are we are movie lovers like keanu at heart we love movies <sighs> We get to the meat of the conversation, and there's so many layers to the thing to a movie that we just we appreciate intrinsically. That uh, I, I think, I mean, in casting Forrest Gump, I think I would I would see this movie all day long. It's a tough one, man. It's really really hard to take a movie that's just an iconic movie with an iconic film role in a time when like Tom Hanks was just like on fire with Philadelphia. Uh, so what was the movie where he... The well, Man with One Red Shoe. Forrest Gump, he actually won the Academy Award, and yes. then and then he was in uh, Apollo 13, yes. which he was nominated. Yes. So those Again three straight Gary years. Sinead. Love it. All right, so that right. was our cast at Better. I think that was really fun. Yes. I, uh, I, I went with a bunch of names. Predictably, you actually went out on a limb and, and really did your research and picked some uh, unknowns, which is cool. I've, I've, I've been... Um, I sent uh, the the gargoyles casting. Yeah. The 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 wheels turning. Of this the, is something you do anyway. I, so I do this, yeah, when I, do when I give I you love. homework, you're just like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I've already done this. I do this in my my I'm everyday like, thoughts. I'm anyhow. Like Lisa Simpson. <laughs> what homework? Yes. Yes. All right. So uh, for those people who actually looked at the title of the episode, we're talking about greatest soundtracks. Soundtracks. Uh, we're actually going to go ahead and get into this now. Which, yes, you tell it, Michael Buffer. Oh, tonight's main event is the 10, 10 of our favorite movie soundtracks all of all, all, time. all time. We love movies. We love music. And nothing makes a movie better, enhances it more than good music. Yep. A couple of white guys dancing on podcast. <laughs> Don't give that up. Everybody, oh, everybody Lord. Look. Okay. Oddly that, enough, that couldn't be more awkward. Most of mine are from the 1910s. <laughs> early, in the, early in the 20th century. 
pre-World War II era yes. soundtracks. Pre, Pre-World War One. So, you know, I, I, I messaged you, and I'm like, we got to have some sort of rules, some sort of parameters, <clears throat> which we like to do. I like it, rules. I do, too, man. I think it makes things a little more interesting. So... One of the built-in parameters that we have is you can't just pick a, like a biopic soundtrack. That's too easy. So that, of course, t- takes away Bohemian Rhapsody. Because, yeah. you know, it, queen out of it's life. freaking Queen, man. So obviously that soundtrack's going to be It's an amazing excellent. soundtrack. Yes. Um, and, and if we're going to pick a movie soundtrack, like it, the, the songs need to be, like if you pick a soundtrack because of a certain song, that <clears> song really needs to be in the movie. Which I, I did. I did too, and but here's the thing that I noticed. I messaged you and I was like, you know what, man, the '90s was known for excellent movie soundtracks. It's like the heyday of the movie soundtrack. But the reason they were so good is because not necessarily they were the the movie was enhanced by the the song. They just took a bunch of artists who they had some B cut songs that were catchy. They would put it all on a soundtrack and then release it. And it yep. wouldn't have anything necessarily to do with the movie. Like perfect yeah. example of that is like, um, what was that Eddie Murphy movie where he was like he could speak to the doctor, Doctor uh, Doodle. Doodle, yeah. So you got like some Aaliyah songs on there and stuff like that doesn't have that doesn't enhance the movie whatsoever. Whatsoever, sorry. But the songs are great. You buy the soundtrack to get the song because yeah. that's kind of where you get it. And, and that, think, the nineties were big on that. They were big on you know here's a movie. Let's, you know, um, the first one that popped to my head was actually another Eddie Murphy, was The Clumps. Yeah. Um, with Janet Jackson. She was in that. Um, and there was a song from it. It was like, it had, it was, and Will Smith. He was big about that too. The the Will Smith. Um, yeah, because he would, you would, if you cast Will Smith for a little while, you would count on a song a, about the movie. Yeah, a, a, a song for, about the movie yeah. by Will Smith. It was just exclusive to the soundtrack. Uh, the 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 soundtrack that came to my mind immediately was the Godzilla soundtrack, and I own that, and lots and lots of people own that. The the Matthew Roderick Godzilla. Yeah. And there was like a really good P Diddy like Jimmy Page like yeah. that that whole song. It was basically like Cashmere, and, but uh, No Shelter by Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. That was, that was the only place you could get that song. Yeah. So like that that's where that's, that's what that soundtracks song. were in the '90s. Now saying that, I do have two '90s soundtracks Let's in my see. list. Uh, so, but I have that's two. Yeah. On the flip side, so yeah, the '90s soundtracks were kind of the heyday. But I felt like soundtracks nowadays, within the last ten years, are kind of the best. People are starting to appreciate the role that music plays in their movie yeah. as as an entity and not just as kind of a garnish. Um, yeah, Baby Driver, I think, is probably one yeah. of the best examples where Edgar Wright in general, yeah, he's really does. A he's good passionate job. about music, and he like he likes very eclectic, different things, and he integrates that into his films, um, almost like he's casting a role in the movie. It's like the the music is going to make the scene, going to drive it. The music is a character. Yeah. yeah, and and there's a lot of people who think that have really adopted that that line of thinking that has changed the way they put together movies. But even that said, with all the parameters that we set up to, you know, eliminate soundtracks, I I still have like uh, hundreds. Uh, if if I I, I could have I stopped myself once I had my five because yeah. I could have I could have gone and I, I changed one of them and I even I rewatched one of the movies the other night just because I was because of one of the parameters like okay, okay. I think I remember this being this way but I wanted to make sure yeah it's like okay yep okay I'm good okay so 
now that you know that the rules that we kind of set up the uh, rules of engagement (laughs) and i you know i i still look at my five and i'm like man i just don't even know and you never know like you could pick one of mine and i have to go with the plan b which is sometimes how if you pick one of mine i'm screwed because i picked five you only picked five why don't you start then i guess i I, I started i started you you get to kick all right all right you're gonna go ahead and punt to me i understand because if i if i get put on the spot then I'll just have to roll with it. You just have to roll with it. And maybe they may or may not be able to tell if I'm if I'm rolling with the punches. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to tell the difference because you're very good at ad libbing. I do ad lib a lot. Okay, so my number one movie soundtrack is going to be 1997's Boogie Nights. Okay, good. That's not on my list. <laughs> so Boogie Nights is great because it's it's a genre film that's unlike any other. It's about a porn star, Mark Wahlberg, and his to me the movie that made him a star. Dirk Diggler. Yes, set in the late 70s, early 80s. So what you get is a lot of late 70s, early 80s popular songs. Yep. And I like a movie that is able to... Now, movies can be bad in this way. Like, for example, um, uh, da, 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 Suicide Squad. Every two or three minutes, there's a song playing. And it's not... I like the songs, but it's like they know that. And they're just... The songs don't really mean anything compared to what's happening on screen. They're trying to forget, make you forget you're watching a crappy movie. <laughs> Boogie Nights is a, is a movie where, like, almost literally, like, every four or five minutes, there's a song playing. Uh, either to enhance the scene or it's just in the background. But what I'm going to do... How I'm approaching this is I'm just going to... I'm going to highlight a few songs that I thought enhanced the scenes. Now, the first scene that I really thought was memorable was the scene with William H. Macy where his wife, who was just basically the theme with William H. Macy and his wife, is she's basically a whore. She's cheating on him constantly, and he's just this kind of good-natured guy who takes it. And it's the part where they're in the driveway, and there's there's like a party happening, and there's just sort of a circle of dudes, and she's just fucking in the center of the circle. And William H. Macy walks up, and she she's just casually being with this guy. And they're playing this song called Fooled Around and Fell in Love. And it's by Elvis Bishop. And I, I love that song. And it always, when I hear that song, I'm instantly transformed to that scene in the movie because it's a great scene anyway. It's like, he's like a cameraman operator in the film. And then like his buddy's like a cinematographer. And they're just, it's so funny how casually they're approaching this situation. And she is pissed at him. Like she's, she's. When's the last time you've seen Boogie Nights? You know the scene I'm talking about. I, I know which scene you're talking. I, I, it's it's been a little while since I've seen it, but he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And she's like in the mid-sex, going like, "Why don't you just get the hell out of here?" Yeah. You know, like that's sort of her approach. It's like you're embarrassing me. Just go. I'm doing what I do. You go I'll do what you. I'll call you do. later. I'll call you later. And it, but it's sad though. It's ultimately he ends up committing. Well, it's like a murder suicide. Like there's yeah. the New Year's Eve party, and he like, you know, walks through the house, sees her, you know, in one of her countless, you know, frivolous affairs just going on under his nose. Like he, she doesn't even care to hide it, and he grabs a gun and shoots them both. And that's kind of a downer scene. But that particular scene was really funny to me, Ooh. and it's played for comedy. I'm trying to think who directed Boogie Nights. It, oh, it was uh, uh, not Wes Anderson, but... It was Paul W.S. Anderson. Paul W.S. Anderson, okay, yeah. That's who yeah, I thought yeah. it was. That's who it was. So that's the first scene that really kind of stuck with me. I also really loved the scene where uh, Dirk and Todd, the Chippendales dancer yeah. guy, they 
they're kind of in the downslide of their of their fame and they 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 need to they come up with the plan to rob this drug dealer towards the end of the movie as you do as you do so they go to this drug dealer's house and they're they're like you know they're they're desperate and they play these three songs like the first song is um sister christian which is an awesome song, song anyway so like the they they build the suspense during this the playing of Sister Christian, you know, then that there's there's like the like oh do we are we robbing this guy are we not? This is clearly a dangerous situation. He's got this big bodyguard with like strapped with a Mac ten, you know, like under his arm. Uh, Todd is egging him on. Like Todd just doesn't clearly give a damn. Dirk's kind of like you know he he does he just wants to get the drugs and go. Yep. Really, it seems like. Then they go into Jesse's girl, and the scene kind of like escalates. And there's like, <laughs> I love it because he's kind of got this like little Asian houseboy in the in the with him, you know. Yeah. And he's just throwing fireworks in the background to unnerve everyone. Uh, I mean, the drug dealer's high, yeah, and and edgy and twitchy and makes you nervous. But the, underlie it with this little Asian houseboy who you don't even know what he's just like a pet. He's, yeah, he's just there. He's just there, and he's throwing like firecrackers on the floor intermittently, and it's just like you know, Dirk's like bothered by this. Like no one else seems to be bothered by this, but it's really getting to Dirk. It up, it really upsets the rhythm of like you, you can't settle into one particular emotion as you're watching it. Yes, and then uh, once once the scene breaks when they when they. You know, they get the drop on the drug dealer and they rob him and they, they take off in Dirk's car, which dies on them. And they like roll it down the hill. They're playing 99 Luff Balloons as they're like, they're making their shitty ass escape. <laughs> and it's just amazing. So like they, those three songs, all one after the other, and they, they complement one another so it's well in the scene. Montage, it's a yeah. very good progressive montage. Also, I have to bring up the two scenes where Reed, who is, um, uh, gosh, he plays his buddy. Dirk's little like buddy is a uh, 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 why can't I think of his name? He's in all the Will Ferrell movies, like Talladega Nights. Oh, um, me, um, I was actually just thinking about him before you said that John C. Riley. John C. Riley, yeah, yeah, thank you. So John C. Riley's Reed and Dirk, who have this like really sweet friendship, yeah. kind of like they, you know, there's a lot of competitiveness to the the industry. They're kind of like. They, they just form this yeah, bond. They, so when Dirk gets tossed out by Burt Reynolds' character for, you know, being a dick, basically, uh, they kind of, he goes along with him, yep. and they he entertains, like, he kind of humors him on this path to becoming a recording sensation. <laughs> so they have the touch. They do, like, you got the touch! But it's so off-key. Yeah, they do a little bit of Stan Bush. And there's this other scene where they're not actually in the recording studio, but they're kind of rehearsing privately in their house or whatever and it's this it's called like feel my heat and like john c riley's got on the guitar he's like feel like uh, it's just it's this really horrible song but i don't know like if you've ever had a friend where you're trying to maybe maybe this is a bit too like we have this podcast and we're like kind of content content creators you get like kind of drunk on the idea yeah. of like how awesome it is the thing is that you're doing and you think it's awesome, so like naturally everyone in the world must is gonna think it's awesome. They have to. And they're they're just like they don't see it. And there's that great scene where they're they're like, we just need the demo tapes. You give us the demo tapes, we go and we make the record, we become millionaires, then we can pay you for the demo tapes. You know the scene I'm talking about where they're yeah. just desperately trying to get the tapes from the we recording. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, I also really enjoy like scenes with Roller Girl, like the the scene where you are introduced to Roller Girl, where she kind of like goes down on him in the uh, closet or whatever. Yep. And it's like I don't know the name of that song, but it's got a nice little catchy beat to it. Everything I feel like every song that they played in that movie, there was thought behind, and it flowed with the scene. Yeah. And that that because of that, I look at that movie so fondly. I don't know how that movie worked. You got Mark Wahlberg, who's more or less known. Like, he'd done Fear with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, he was, he was not necessarily a huge household name. He was yet. not a household name. Well, he was actually a household name for something else. Marky Mark and the Funky yeah. Bunch. Like, you know, good vibrations. Not for his, his acting prowess yet. He was the, you know, he was the brother, the, the younger brother to uh, Donnie Wahlberg of New Kids on the Block. And he was kind of like that kid. Like, okay, like, he's a good-looking kid with... You know, great abs, and he was like an underwear model yeah. and stuff. And he had the one or two hit songs, but he transitioned into acting so perfectly. And I just love Mark Wahlberg. He's so funny, you know, like nowadays. I was watching The Other Guys. Yeah, great movie. Which is so funny. And I hadn't seen that in a while. And I was, you know, he and Will Ferrell had the, well, he, he's such a good compliment to yeah. established funny guys. Yeah. He and Will Ferrell have done like three movies together yep. Daddy's Home, one and two. The other guys, and then he was really funny in with Seth MacFarlane in the Ted movies. Yep. He's not just like a pretty like dumb face like you can play off. Like he actually contributes to the yeah. comedy. He has a comedic sense to him. He really does. So you know, like I really enjoyed this early period of of Mark Wahlberg when he was becoming you know a big actor, like yeah. a name that you need to to pay attention to seriously. So, uh, you know, Boogie Nights, I, I could watch that movie. It's, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I think a lot of it has to do with the choice of music yeah. that's paired along with these really compelling actors and characters that we're seeing. And, a, and it's a movie about <laughs> pornography. It's just so hilarious. Well, and, and one, one of the things that you're always, you know, you're somewhat up against when you're doing a movie that's set in a particular time is that obviously limits what you can select in your soundtrack. Like if, if you're going to, you're going to set a movie in the seventies and early eighties, you know, that's, uh, you know, you, you have access to everything prior to that. Yes. But it's when I was like, at the same time, it's like, because you're, you get, you carved out this, this space and time that you're, you're going to use, you really want to focus in on music that was important to that, that time. Yeah. So, it, but at the same time, it's not the Bee Gees. Yeah. It's, you know, like there's a scene where they're in a disco and they're, you know, doing like this disco montage, but they don't do the Bee Gees. They pick no. some other song, that would, you know, like, and so they did a good job picking songs that you wouldn't ordinarily plop down. No, and, and that's, that's one of those things. It's, it's, I feel like that's where somebody who really has care in assembling the music in other movies where they operate out of is like, okay, I don't want to just pick like, I'm not going to look at the top 40 stuff for, you know, 1978. So By the way, this, Paul this Anderson, stuff. really good ear for these types yeah. of things too. Like one movie that I'll probably, I'm not going to, but there's other movies in his catalog of movies that he uses music really, really well in. This isn't the only one. I just feel like this is the best one. There was another movie of his that I almost put in my five, first five. Uh, but yeah, Paul Anderson is really good at that as well. Like, there's a couple of directors that I just music is huge for them. Yeah. You know, you think of your uh, um, uh, James L. Was it James L. Brooks that did like Almost Famous and all those guys, or was it? I'm thinking of somebody else. Uh, Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Sorry. The, Cameron Crowe is a guy that comes to mind. Uh, you know, like Paul Anderson. Uh, Very influenced by music and incorporated into their productions quite yeah. quite well. 
Yes. And I, you could even say, like, well, I don't want to spoil anything for you in case one of these movies is on there. But we'll get to that, I guess, if we need to. Anyways. Magnolia? Is Magnolia on there? Uh, Are you a Magnolia fan? On poopshoot.movie.com? <laughs> no, I'm not. I thought you were just asking me if I was a Magnolia fan in general. Like, I, I find aspects of that movie interesting. I thought Tom Cruise was interesting in that movie. But it was, it was I, a, I can't say that I love that particular movie. It's it's in, enjoyable, but it's not one you would need to watch yeah. over and over and over. But... At the same time, it's a lot of people's favorite. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise is very different than a lot of things he's played. The fuck are you doing? It looks like they're doing. It's my wife. Shut up, Bill. You're embarrassing me. Yeah, little Bill, shut up. Okay, uh, what's your first film? All right, um, let's see here. I didn't put these in any particular order. Me neither. Um, I, I, think, I think I'm just going to go with this one. It's at the top of my list, just coincidentally. And today is actually the 20th anniversary of its release in theaters. Oh, so a 1999 movie. Yes. Uh, it's about four, four young boys who go see a foreign film, uh, and it changes their lives forever. Um, South Park, bigger, longer. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That that was a movie that was on my list. That I well, it wasn't one of the ones I picked, but I was thinking about it. it I, Great original songs. Oh, that that's I I uh, I love Trey Parker and Matt Stone so much. Yeah. Um, uh, everything they do, I think, is just magic. They don't get a lot of credit they deserve. Yeah, they really don't because everyone just thinks that it's just you know. Dick and fart jokes. Dick and fart jokes, yeah. And it's really not. It's nope. Like, even the whole movie, and I love that they were nominated, um, I think they won uh, for uh, Blame Canada, didn't they? Or were they I think just nominated? you're right, yeah. No, I, I think <clears throat> they were at least nominated. Yeah. But because when you think uh, 90s, and especially the content of the movies, like, you know, the boys go see Terrence and Phillip, it's got all kinds of horrible Ass, language. What was it, Asses of Asses Fire? Asses of Fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the boys, they're, they're, these, these cute little boys, they're, they're using profanity. Yeah, and the and the world is a horrible place, and so these parents go on this crusade against Terrence and Philip, and I love the song "Blame Canada" because oh even within the lyrics they acknowledge the fact briefly that you know you know we better blame them before somebody starts thinking of blaming us. I like the dueling farting banjo like little oh. bit like in the middle of it. <laughs> it's the and I, I listen because I, I have my favorite songs on it, so I was listening yeah. through it again yesterday. Brian Boitano is like well, one of my favorites, it, and that's the thing is like everything, the, all these different, the different tones and the different, as I, like it, Kyle's mom's a bitch. Yes, yeah. um, and, you know you, you have Satan and Saddam Hussein. <laughs> and it's just there's some things that really date the movie, that aspect. but it's it's one of those like Saddam and. <laughs> And the whole premise of everything is just so ridiculous. They're when, all they've been on point for twenty five years. When Terrence and Philip are executed, that's when, that's the last of the things that need to happen for Satan to reemerge on Earth. It's like <laughs> the poor horseman will ride again. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's where a lot of people stop. It's like it's just this stupid little we're gonna you know we're gonna swear and we're gonna do all these. It's like there's such a great commentary within it. There's the lots songs, of depth to yes, their humor. Yeah. And it, it's, it, I love that Canada to retaliate bombs the Baldwin oh, compound. All of the Baldwins, all at once. <laughs> and it's just what what I I mean I love every part of I mean from the opening with the mountain town. Yeah, with Kyle. With yeah. Kyle, and, you yeah. Know, and they just they go along 
the you know the whole progression and then it just as the as the movie goes goes through scene after scene you're just like this is the, the whole movie is just pure enjoyment uh there's a lot of songs uh, they 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 progress through the story just perfectly they're not just goofy funny songs for the sake of being funny like they actually you know like the Trey and Matt are they're just geniuses like I don't understand like how these people come from where they do because they're like from Colorado yeah. and they're not like your typical like come from Hollywood type you yeah. know family like how how do these diamonds in the roughs get discovered it blows my mind, and they're just perfect for it. Some people are just made for it. Yeah, it doesn't matter they, where you're from. They, and and then, uh, especially in regards to the soundtrack, what was nice is you have this whole barrage of uh, of songs that are really entertaining all throughout the movie, and I yeah. listened to them over and over and over. I couldn't then, believe what I was watching. No, it was, as it unfolded, you're like, this is... This is a musical. This It really is. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, then you get to the soundtrack, and they have a, a number of the songs are um, redone um, with uh, recording artists. Um, South Park in the '90s, I think they released like two or three different CDs. Um, yeah, there was a um, live the Chef Aid or something yeah, Chef like that. Aid. Yeah, they were they were they were uh, Trey and Matt are and you know they have um, Mormon uh, the uh, well the, the separate the, the music they had so, yeah so they they they're very musically inclined which was nominated for a Tony or something yeah. I think too so yeah. they're they have they have a solid ba- I think the first thing they ever did together um, was Cannibal the musical and mm-hmm. if you go they're still in film school they're very much in tune with like Seth uh, McFarlane in yeah. that way you know they they have these this musical background to them that you don't even really think about and then they they use it really well yeah. They use it for their commentary. They use it for their comedy. They use it uh, to keep the movie, the pacing of the movie. So it's yeah. it's very much, uh, it's a very thoughtful process, which I appreciated. It and never then, feels like a novelty. No. And and then the fact that they take it and they make it not just, because you can enjoy the songs for the movie, yeah. but then there's a commercial aspect where their, their business savvy really kicks in. We're like, let's take some of these songs Let's you know bring some. They have you know original songs on the on the soundtrack, and then let's have some modern recording artists redo uh, some of the songs on there. And I, I think that's that's. I was just like, this is. I listen. I'll I'll go through periods of time where I just I'll listen to the soundtrack over and over and over. Yeah. And I was like, and it's it's largely just original songs. Yeah. And it's and it's and and then when you think about it too, it's like not only did they write these songs, but then they perform a lot of these songs as the characters in the movie. Yeah. So you're like, you have you know. Cartman singing, Kyle's mom's a bitch. So it's one of, it's just funny. It's like okay, not only did they write this song that's really funny and entertaining, they performed but then it. Trey as well. Parker has yeah. to perform it in the voice of Eric Cartman. Yeah, I was like, okay, that I think just elevates everything for me. So they're really talented guys, man. It's it's not just they rub people the wrong way a lot of times, but yeah. there's no doubt you got to give them credit for being really talented uh, writers, creators, and performers. And, you know, really, because I'm eagerly awaiting season 23 of South Park, which debuts in September. Are they ever going to stop that show? I, I don't think I don't think they will. I, I think, don't think they need to. I think the format and the way they do it, it's it's sustains itself. It's, it's like so amazing how they make those episodes, man. They do them in like a week. Yeah, and, and the fact that they're still doing, they're still using the same vehicle 23 years later. I mean, really, you know, it's like the movie came out 20 years ago. It's like... You know, it's like Saturday Night Live. Like Saturday Night Live is done also within a week. So with because they have that kind of quick turnaround, they can actually take headlines and 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 write their jokes around those headlines. And South Park's the same way. You know, they just like what's going on in the news right now. What kind of commentary can we do? 
and you know like they'll pluck it from the headlines and it's it's shocking because you you're used to animated shows or tv in general to take like a year cycle so if something political does happen it has to be big enough to where it's still relevant a year later you know they they turn them out in like a few weeks yeah. like, that just happened in the news and here's an episode of south park and it, that's, it keeps it keeps them fresh. It keeps them relevant. It keeps you know people tuning in. They're cutting edge. Yeah, they really they're, are. They're still cutting edge, even though the show's been around for how many seasons? Twenty three. Twenty three. This yeah. this September will be twenty three. It's crazy. So, love me some South Park. I do too. I will, I will never be too old, too grown up, too mature to listen to the South Park soundtrack. Now, well, I mean, because a lot of the themes in South Park are adult anyway. Yeah. So why would you? Just because it's a cartoon. Adult themes. Mm, I love adult themes. And adult language. I love adult language. And my boy Eric once had my picture on his shelf. But now when I see him, it tells me to fuck myself. Well, play in Canada. Play in Canada. It seems that everything's gone wrong since Canada came along. Play in Canada. Play in Canada. They're not even a real country anyway. All right, so is it my turn? It is your turn. Okay, so... You, it's interesting, you picked a movie in a soundtrack that had a lot of original songs. Like, I also picked a song, or a, a movie with a soundtrack with many original songs. And it's Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Great movie. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Um, I mean, there are so many great Edgar Wright movies with sounds. I mean, you, you, you look at your uh, Nick Frost, um, oh gosh, what's uh, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg movies, they, they have great soundtracks. Um, and then, you know... This one here for me is my favorite because you got the band Sex Babam, which is yes, the, all of the actors. It's like Allison Pill, um, uh, Michael Sarah, and I forget the other guy's name. Yeah. But you know they, it, it seems like they're playing their instruments, and I don't know if they are or not. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But the, the, they're definitely singing the songs, and yeah. they're really some interest, interesting songs, like Garbage Truck Threshold. Um, and then you have Allison Brie who shows up in the movie yep. as part of, uh, she's basically like Scott's ex-girlfriend, but she's in this band. Uh, I forget the name of the band, but the actual, now that actual, the songs they're singing like from, uh, like Black Sheep is the name of the song, which is really a banging song in the movie. It's from this actual band called Metric. They're a Canadian band and I actually had a chance to see them live. And they played the Black Sheep song. But yeah, they, they were with like Smashing Pumpkins or wow. something one time. But they're they're really cool. They're a good band. So but it's it's like a lot of like indie bands and the movie itself has kind of this like indie feel to it. Yeah. You know, a lot of the characters would be the types of characters who would not buy your pop, you know, like top twenty singles, like they're just all underground. And there's a couple of really good Beck songs. Yep. Like the Ramona song that Scott sings to Ramona is uh, actually composed by Beck, who's like the king of, you know, that like scene but every every uh you know 15 minutes or so you get like this really excellent original song uh sung by sex babam which was like again like the actual actors in the movie um i i really really enjoy just the the, the visual style of that movie they yeah. they married the songs like the music uh and, and the visuals like they made it look like a video game yep. like really well there's some good eight bit midi like midi type songs yep. in the in the movie, like they did the Universal theme in the beginning, yep. which is the cute little midi sound. I like, like when they do stuff eight like bit that. Nintendo yep. sound kind of to it. Um, they incorporate a lot of like arcade sound like sound tracks. Yep. You know, like there's um, you know like songs from Dance Dance Revolution type games and Street Fighter type games. Yep. They use quite a bit. 
So the way the movie is mixed, like they really use sound in like a really unique way. And uh, you know, Edgar Wright in all of his movies, like Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, The World's End, especially. Like I almost picked The World's End because it has a really interesting soundtrack. It's a great movie. It is. It's it's good. I think it gets overlooked because like you know, Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead are so great and iconic. Uh, that third of that trilogy just yeah. kind of gets overlooked. A it little really bit. does. But it's a great soundtrack. Um, but you know, I, I I always recommend people seeing Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I, I think it was a disappointment. It cost kind of a lot of money. And you could tell because the movie's beautiful to look it's at. Really, yeah, it's really well it's done. It's got a lot actor. of good young actors in it. Uh, Kieran Culkin is the roommate. Yes, of, he's, of, he's amazing in that. I loved him. You got your uh, Chris Evans is in it. Um, America. Brandon Ralph, who was Superman, Superman briefly, was in it. Uh, and then, of course, you got like, uh, I, well, um, oh gosh, Audrey. Audrey Plaza was yep. in it. Um, so everybody that was Anna like a Kendrick was his sister. Anna Kendrick was the first time I ever saw yep. her in anything. She's wonderful in that. She's wonderful in everything. Big Anna Kendrick fan. Yes. We both are. Both. Um, so you know, and that—that's the I bought the soundtrack. It's one of the last soundtracks I bought. 2010. It tells you it's been nine years now. But I listen to it in my car all the time. Like they were just regular songs. Yeah. So that—that's a cool thing, you know. Like that's something that you see happen a lot in Disney films. And maybe even South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, because it was just kind of a known commodity. Yeah. So as long as the songs were halfway decent, people are going to buy it as a novelty and then listen to it again and again because they enjoyed the movie. And it's, it's an easy way around licensing, too. Very easy way around licensing. There aren't many pop songs that I can think of at all in it. So, you know, as expensive as the movie was, it wasn't because of the licensing for no, the songs. it rebelled against that whole idea, too. Yeah. Really, indie music was held in a much higher regard than pop. Even Gideon, who was, um, what's his face? Um, uh, I can't, Schwartz. Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, Jason yeah. Schwartzman. Yeah, so he was in it too. Really good. And uh, the girl who played Ramona, I love. Man, she's so good. She was in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, I can't think of her name. Like, I'm bad with names, especially when I'm trying to talk about movies. Winstead. Her last name's Winstead. Elizabeth Mar- Winstead. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Mary Elizabeth. Oh, I love her so much. And it's mainly because of that role. She's so cute in it. And they go together really well. Michael Sarah and her? Yeah. yeah, really. I can buy that. They That's click. A, very much so. And the, the graphic novels, the books are really good yeah. too, if you ever get a chance to check them out. There was also a really good arcade game that, not arcade game, but it was like a beat em up style arcade yeah. game that came out for Xbox 360 back in the day that more or less mimicked the movie like all the scenes from the movie well when you when you think about when you that's one of the things i liked it when you take a step back after you've kind of dissected a movie like that and you're talking about okay you have a, a big number of actors that at the time weren't huge names yeah but when you look at them now and say okay how how great was it to, how, how good of an eye does is the casting of that movie yeah that all of these people went on yeah to have allison brie is now captain marvel yeah so you're like you got a, a, a lot of people in this movie that have had sustainable careers. Chris Evans. Yeah. You're like, okay, there's there's a good, and then the music being its own entity. I like that each of the evil exes kind of had their own song yeah. too. So like, not only Sex Bobomb get their songs, like the evil exes kind of had a song yeah. as well. Like the Patel kid, he kind of had a song in the beginning with his like little zombie chick. Yeah. That he did. And, um, My dad really liked this movie. Did he really? Yeah. Your dad's Oddly cool. Oddly enough. That is surprising. It's, it's you would well, not expect anybody well from your dad's generation to love that movie. He, but he's, he speaks uh, very highly of Scott Pilgrim versus the world often. 
It's it's one of my favorite movies. And when uh, Nick and I on a Big Geek podcast, when we were talking about favorite um, comic movie, comic book hero, like comic adaptations, or yeah. the, it made my list. This is one that a lot of people don't realize or don't think of as being a comic adaptation. Yeah, it's not like a Marvel property no. or a DC property, but they were. But they there was a, a popular job. series of books. Yeah, they and, did a really great job. Uh, very good adapting those. Hello again, friend of a friend. I knew you were. Our common goal was waiting for the world to end. Okay, that was my number two. What's your number two? All right, number two, let's see here. Um, this is the one that I rewatched the other night just so that I was on point because it's been a while since I'd seen it. Um, I went with Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, that's one of mine. Is it? That was going to be my next one, so I'm glad <laughs> you went first. Whew. Yeah, Can't Hardly Wait is a great 90s soundtrack that actually incorporates the songs in the movie. Yes. Almost all of them. Like, if the There's, song is in the soundtrack, it was in the movie, if not for a second and or two. there are a number of songs in the movie yes. that are not on the soundtrack that I kind of wish they, like... Uh, well, yeah, I can um, see that, yeah. What was, there was, uh, oh, crap, I, I was, I'll have to think about it as I'm which talking. This, which scene are we thinking um, of? There were... Uh, was Funky Cold Medina Funky, on the soundtrack? Funky Cold Medina is not on yeah, the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, there's was, a scene that, that yeah, you're like, oh, I want Funky Cold Medina. And it's not. And you got to think, too, back in the 90s, this is pre-iTunes, really. Like, if you could get a soundtrack that had that many good songs on it, you're buying it up. It was like you were buying a CD full of singles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Singles, that was, exactly right. And that was, that's, not, that's a thing a lot of people, this younger generation, does not understand. No. We had to buy singles, or you had to buy, like, there are whole albums I bought for one song. And CDs weren't cheap, too. No. Like, you, you could buy, you know, spend 25 bucks on yeah. a you know, CD, if you, depending on where you got it Espe from. Especially 18, 19 was, like, typical. A soundtrack. Soundtracks were more expensive. Were more expensive, because yeah. they, they had... They had that feature. It had a good bang for its buck. Um, this, this, there, there were two different Smash Mouth songs featured in the movie. Can't get One, enough of me. Or can't get enough of uh, uh, walking on the walking sun. on the sun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They uh, um, was walking on the sun in the soundtrack. It was not. It was the yeah, other okay. one. The other one was on the soundtrack. Yeah, but uh, because walking on the sun's the part where he meets uh, where he Amanda meets Beckett Amanda. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> the the other the other song is played twice in the movie. I was like, you played three Smash Mouth songs. <laughs> Out of two Smash Mouth, but it's songs. Smash Mouth. It's, it was in the it '90s. Was, they were catnip for soundtracks. It, it was what I loved is like when you think of Smash Mouth on a soundtrack now, you think All Star, and like yeah. that's just the songs that it was or like. Shrek it's and all funny that, yeah. because here, here you have Smash Mouth when they were popular, and it's like it was, it was like okay, walking on because Walking on the Sun. I think that was their first. That was break. their breakout yeah. single, yeah. Um, but it's it's funny to think because there is kind of a comedic aspect to their persistence in the. <laughs> industry um because they really they they give the the feeling like they should have been a one-hit wonder oh yeah absolutely but, well and then they made their bones with like remakes too yeah. i feel like then yeah when they came into the shrek properties they're like we want smash mouth to sing all these shrek songs they're like what <laughs> you're going all in on smash, smash mouth, mouth? <laughs> I, just, I remember at the end of rat race uh, which had a huge cast it was kind of a goofy movie it's like Smash Mouth was in the movie performing a concert at the end of the movie. Oh, they were in yeah, the they movie, were in not the movie. as just the no, song, not like, oh, their song. Yeah, here's Smash it. Mouth. But <laughs> that was I, I love. It was like okay, this is like the one time that Smash Mouth is really applicable. Um, but my favorite, my favorite reason for this this whole um, soundtrack is my favorite band of all time, 
which were kind of tied with Newfound Glory, but Blink-182, mm. favorite band. And my favorite song of theirs of all of them. Was that Damn It? Was that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's played when the cops show up and everybody's got a scanner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it, it creates. The whole tone is like, it's just kind of chaotic and everybody's running every way. It fits the scene so perfectly. I love Ethan Embry's character, too, because he's kind of this old soul. And he's like obsessed with like signs and stuff, and he's got that song "Mandy" in yep. his head. So you got this Mar- Barry Manilow aspect of the soundtrack as well. Which and I don't that, think it was that on song the CD. Was not on the soundtrack. No, I but was it was like, in the movie. I was like, this it was so heavily featured in the movie. It's like, could you not like you got Barry Manilow to give you the okay? For Barry's the, like, no, but not on the soundtrack. No, kids. sorry, the soundtrack. it could be in the movie, but not on the soundtrack. O- oddly enough, Ethan Embry does not uh, remember much of that movie. He was high the entire Are time. Are you serious? That's uh, his most iconic movie, I and, think. And uh, 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 Jennifer Love Hewitt, actually, she gave him breath mints because of the scene where they got to make out at the end. Oh because he, he, he was, he oh, was so high all the time. <laughs> yeah. And he, he, was, he was totally fine. He was like, no, I know. It's like, I, like when he's not on set, he's in his trailer smoking weed. I love, too, that the leader of the nerd crew yes. that that kid was in like charlie uh, corsmo yeah he was in uh uh what about bob yeah he was like a yeah. pretty big child actor that, that was i think his last role before he went on to become he's a lawyer now i'm pretty sure interesting um, but it's like it was it was that was one of the things i remember about it when it first came out. i was like that's the kid from hook yeah he hasn't done anything that's a hook very recognizable like, kid yeah it's charlie corsmo i too remember like nowadays like a song like Paradise City is popular just because it's been like 30 yep. years and it's just, it's it's cool again. It's stuck, yeah. That that made the soundtrack in the 90s. So yeah. like, it's only been 10 years. I'm like, I can't believe these high school kids would play Paradise City and rock that in yeah. their party, but they do. Yeah, they totally do. And, yeah. I, and I love, because they have the band, you have Love Burger, the band. Well done, yeah. That, that never <laughs> they not, put, they, they had ne- the t-shirts. They never play a song in the entire thing. They, they they attempt to they get started and a couple you've times. Got, uh, you got Brecken Meyer, Brecken Meyer, and you yeah, got Donald Faison from the Clueless, band. yeah. And it's like, and the, the whole time there are, and when they're just about to play their reunion yeah. show, <laughs> yeah, the cops when the cops show, they like, were just in love with being in a band. Uh, like was, you, you wondered if they could even play instruments was, at all. I enjoyed that so much. It was like, oh, so good. Uh, yeah, that that is a that movie flows so well, and it's helped along by the music. Yep. And this brings up a subcategory of movies that I was a sucker for big time. And it's movies that feature like, you know, a party or a night of debauchery, debauchery, however you want to say it. Like that, those types of movies are perfect for like a good soundtrack. Yeah. Yep, they really are. And this, this is just one of those movies that are up there. You know, it is just essentially some, a party that happens in one day. Yep. They set up things going around it the day before, the day after. But also too, like the the actors felt like friends. Like yeah, could, they, did. they were believable groups of friends. Yep. Uh, like Ethan Embry had like the kind of sensitive alt friend girl, yep. you know, and she has she ends up with uh, with uh, Kenny or whatever. But it was yep. played by uh, Seth, Green. Seth Green, who was awesome in this movie. Oh, he he was like, great. The little the like hip hop obsessed guy who's yes. like just wants to knock the boots, and he's got his little like hip hop buddies with him. But I love that song, "Light It Up." Because, yeah. you know, like one of the great parts of the movie is they show, they do like a freeze frame on the character and they have like their high school yearbook, yeah. like all of their accolades. And uh, but when they did his, it was the the fired up song from uh, Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes, thank yes, you. Yes. But it's got like the Knight Rider yes. theme. And I remember yeah. like buying that actual single first. And I don't think that was on the soundtrack either. No. I think maybe that's why I bought the single of it. People used to buy singles. It's so funny. It's a, it was a thing. It was a thing. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you picked that. It's from a subcategory of movies that I really enjoy. And again, it's kind of like with um, Scott Pilgrim, you had a, one of the hottest young casts yep. in, in all. You got Jennifer Love Hewitt, who might have been the height of her popularity, to be honest. You, you would have thought she would have gone on to a big, bigger career. Uh, Seth Green was, you know, a uh, hot young rise, commodity, yeah. right? Ethan Embry as I always, well, I think. I always was kind wanted of more like, from him because he, like, uh, he's he's sustained a career, but he's that was definitively his, I think, biggest focus roles. And oh, uh, the guy from How I Met Your Mother, the big guy, Jason Segel. Jason Segel has got a little his, small part in it as that well. Was his first role. Yeah. Oh, was it? No. Yeah. Cool. And uh, Jenna Elfman, she played. She was the angel. She was the angel, the yep. stripper angel. She was in it for just a bit. But yeah, uh, flashlight is. I think. I think that is George in the Parliament. Yeah. Uh, P Funk or whatever. I think that was the first time I ever heard that song, which was yeah. like a, a really great song. You know, like flashlight is one of the songs that was on the soundtrack. Yep. Uh, there was a. There's graduate, which is a great song yep. at the beginning of the song. Uh, I think there's like an Eve Six song on there too somewhere. That's really good. There was the open road song yeah. they play. So, you know, you had your really big older songs, but yeah. they actually debuted some songs too, yeah, I yeah. feel like. Um, but I mean, like, again, that was the heyday of the 90s soundtrack. You get yeah. all the young, you get all the big recording artists and they contribute a song. You, you, you sprinkle in some funky cold Medinas and things in there, like Paradise City. Yeah, you get a couple of those that are, you know, aren't, old songs but aren't you know contemporary songs yeah and it just it works yeah and people you know like th those are just songs that'll live on forever yeah uh flashlight is a song that's well before my time but i mean i'll jam to that oh I mean, totally it's, it's a great song you know atomic dog those types of things there's another movie too that i didn't actually have in my final five but will at some point show up in a list of mine that plays atomic dog and that's one of my all-time favorite songs but that's way before my time just love those songs I love a good funky, funky beat. Yeah, you, you I'm need, a very funky person. People don't you, know that about me. You need me. some funk. You need yeah. a little funk. You gotta in get the funk out from time yeah. to time. Get the funk out. Okay, so that's gonna shorten our. Well, no, I'll, I'll have you, to come up with another. Have, okay, now, that'll, that'll now give me an opportunity. You're on the fly. I'm on the fly now. Oh my god. Okay. The tables have turned. Tables have turned. Okay. They can and still I was, turn back. It was the next still, one on my list. You can still screw me. Son of a gun. I'm glad I went. You're constantly screwing me over. I would have. I would have been screwed because I would have had to come up with something else. That's fine. That's fine. I'll get to talk about a couple of you know soundtracks that I just mentioned that I wasn't going to talk about, but maybe I now maybe now I need to. Now you're more prepared than you than you knew. Yo, I gotta have sex tonight. Uh, uh, I'm gonna keep this. They say here ninety two percent of honeys at UCLA sexually active. All right, so we're going to move on to my third. Your third. Okay, so my next movie, I'm getting into some newer movies now, actually. Um, so I've noticed that Seth Rogen movies have had really excellent soundtracks. And this isn't a Seth Rogen movie necessarily that he directed and made, or, but he did write it. And it's from 2007, and it's another... Um, it's another uh, Michael Cera movie, 2007 Superbad. Okay, yep. I really enjoyed the funk of that soundtrack. Yeah. It's got a couple of really good bar key songs to start out with, 
where they, they're kind of like, they have that kind of silhouette dance number at the beginning where yep. you just see the silhouettes dancing together. I love that song. I thought it really set the tone of the movie. And they, and they, they kind of ride that wave of funk through most of the movie. Yeah. At least to the part where they get to party scenes. Yeah. And uh, when they get to the party scenes, like where they meet the one guy who, you know, they, they, he runs into, I think, Seth, and then he goes out, like they're desperate for beer. You know, because yeah. McLovin's striking out at the, you know, getting beer. So they follow that guy who's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I love his conversation. He's like, we should hook out sometime. Are you on Facebook? Joe Latrulia. <laughs> or not even yeah. Facebook. It was like MySpace. Yes. He's really funny in that. So they He's... go out to that party and there's some songs like, uh, I think there's a Notorious B.I.G. song in there somewhere where like Seth is slow dancing with a girl who's on her period. So yes. he gets like period blood on his leg. And then the, and her then they boyfriend, go, and then yeah. He shows up. Oh yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's like I love it when I call you Big Papa. As a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's the great mix of '70s funk, and even it's accentuated even more because there's the scene where, like, you know, he's Seth's wearing his clothes, but he's like, I can't wear the same clothes that I wore to school from the, you know, like later. That it's like, oh, totally unbecoming. So they raid his like dad's closet. So he shows up in like these like '70s like plaid pants and like flared out collar but it works it totally it does. totally works so it's like almost like they're playing off of that yeah. there's a really funky song when they like see like mclovin coming out of the grocery bag and he's yeah. got like the vest on it like why do you wear in the vest he's like it makes that me look vest, older that vest was amazing mclovin mclovin yeah that was his big movie uh his first come out or star starring role yes. basically you could say he stuck around you know like he yeah. was in how to train your dragon three i heard his voice Christopher um, Mintz Plass. Yep, yep. I really enjoyed him in um, Badass. No, Kick-Ass. Uh, Kick-Ass, yeah. He was, he was a great good. villain. He was a great like, villain. Where did this kid come from? <laughs> Out of nowhere. Uh, and then, But yeah, there's the party scene where there's some more hip-hop-y contemporary songs. But I again, it falls into that category of, you know, high school kids, whatever. Like, you know, they're, they're more college-aged, I think, both yeah. of them by the time this movie came out. Um, but, you know, you're following their night. And yeah. then you, you add in Seth Rogen and Bill Hader as the cops. Yeah. You know, they, and then you just get even more. There's like a, I think there is a, a scene where they're, they bust up the party and they're playing like some kind of like Ice Cube song or whatever. And they're just kind of dancing to that. They do like Panama at the yeah. end when he's like doing the, like the whirly like trick, you know, that like crashes the cop car. And I love those characters too, by the way. They're so, they're so, you know, they're kids. They're really just kids themselves. They trash a cop car and then, you know, light it on fire and claim that it was stolen. That was, that was one of the best parts of the whole movie. I love that. I love that. They're like shooting bottles off. They're shooting stop signs and crap. And then they're like the cops and like they're cops themselves. There's that whole revelation where it's like, yeah, we knew you were making love. We we, like, we knew you're not really this guy the whole time. We're like, we're just going with it. Yeah. Like, I love that. I, I like that. that. It's almost kind of like McLovin's story. It, it really, in a lot of ways it is. It's, you know, it's just as much his story. Like it, they, they introduce him as kind of like this third wheel. Yes. But it's like, he very much has his own vehicle in the story. Yeah. That's just as important. He's really the cool kid. If you think about it, like he gets the fake ID. Yep. He gets the girl. Like he hooks up with the girl. He's hanging out all night with the cops, with the cops having the yeah. time of his life. He's the one who looks badass because they pull him off. Like, remember, yeah. like, there's a scene where you know, like, you know, like, I, I can't just walk out of here. You know, it's gonna make me look stupid. Yeah. Like, well, we got you. So they're like, oh, McLovin, he's crazy. And then there's a great scene where like the kid with the mullet spits on Bill Hader, and 
he just goes after him with the baton. <laughs> just cracks him with it. That's such a <laughs> such a great scene. It really is. Uh, but yeah, there's the I'm Your Boogeyman song that Nick Lovin dances with a little redheaded chick who he sees walking with a thong. I love that too because she's just like walking down the hall and he's like, you know, focused in on her body. She turns around. She's like, what? It's uh, 12.30? <laughs> Like, that's the best he could come up with. Like, she asked him the time. She just gives him a look like, what the hell are you talking about, creep? I, I love that movie. Super I mean, bad is... I, need to re- I haven't seen that movie in a couple of years. So and I, I got it. I love the song, too, at the very end where they reveal all the dick pics that yes. Seth drew. Because you, know, you get that brief period where you see, like, one dick pic. And he's going over his his illness, I guess, his affliction, where he just can't stop drawing can't dick pics stop. and puts it in his Ghostbusters lunchbox. But you get to see them all in a little montage at the end. There's a good little funky song at the end, too. So that movie was enhanced, I think, by that particular I, soundtrack. I and they went with not contemporary songs. No, they went yeah. all old songs. I liked it. It, it really was cool. And I, I give. I think that's because of Seth Rogen. Like, he has a really good ear. And he, he's kind of like that Edgar Wright, where he, he just knows the right song to add to a scene to, to make it better. He's He has... Um... A decent ability to act, yeah, and I would say a much keener um, eye and ear for production, like the direction of things, the writing of things, all yeah. of the things that go into the composition of a film. But I think Seth Rogen's just done a really smart job of sur- surrounding himself with good young with talent, funny people, with funny people, people, yeah, more well, so than like an Adam Sandler, yeah. more so than than a lot of people who do the similar things. Yeah. They just keep going back to the well. He and he'll add somebody new from yeah. time to time. He'll bring in he'll bring in new talent. He's he's on the lookout for that. He he reminds me, yeah, like if Judd Apatow could act better and yeah. was in more of his movies, yeah. I feel like they're on the same level. Because with I think one of the things you start to or I know especially for myself that I started to appreciate more is when I understood like okay Seth Rogen is writing these movies yeah. and just in the process of you know mentally walking through the whole thing is like okay. You know, there's some movies that get written where they they don't know who's going to play what roles, and I know they do it a lot with the Broken Lizard stuff. They just write them, and whoever ends up with whichever role. I really like that a lot. Yeah, um, they don't they don't write the movie with certain actors in mind up front because they are afraid that if they do it that way, they'll just write themselves the funniest yeah. lines, get all the lines written out, and then after the script is written, <sighs> div, you know, divvy up the characters. And with Seth Rogen's writing ability, there's there's a lot where. Um, you know, where he, he knows which character he's going to play, but he doesn't he doesn't play to that. He doesn't have all the best lines. And sometimes yeah. his characters are, like in uh, Observe and Report, his character is funny. I think that's but, his best acting role. But he's, I mean, he's really not that, you know, because it, it, it has that, oh, it's, it feels like it's a Paul Blart kind of movie. But Paul Blart is a much more endearing character Whereas his character in Observe and Report, Ronnie like, is this guy's a, a total despicable jerk. guy. Yeah, like he's still the protagonist, but he's just a huge jerk. You're yeah. like, you're not really totally supposed to like him, and it's like you're not supposed to like him. It's like he's the lead and he's the protagonist. I'm not supposed to like him, so I'm conflicted here. I was yeah. like, hey, when you understand and appreciate, that's how Seth Rogen wrote. Plays you're like, tricks on you a okay, little bit. This there's you you can't just fall into good writing like that. All right, now guys, check this out. Probably the greatest move in donut spinning history. Paying attention? Behold, the upward spiraling pigtail. Why is it called that? I don't know. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go um, uh, third. I'm gonna go Space Jam. 
Jam. I knew you were going to do Space Jam. Space Jam. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind you were going to do Space Jam. And it, 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 I mean, it is. It's an iconic 90s it soundtrack. Is one of the, it is one of the best soundtracks I think that there ever was. We listened to the crap out of that soundtrack. Yeah. So I'm like, there's, uh, you know, there's so many songs that I love that were in the movie. I mean, yeah. I believe I can fly as one of those, you know, it generational was, like yeah. anthems basically i hate that it it's r kelly yeah because like ah oh, because he's I, such a piece of shit nowadays i feel conflicted like yeah. should i still be allowed to like this song no i know what you mean but it's like it, any michael jackson song i was like i love this song like how do i separate but it's like it that that song was just and the, like because i remember too part of part of uh, uh space jam was 96 yeah it was in that it was in that area yeah um, mid 90s and th- that was that was back, you know, big in the heyday of music videos too. Sure, um, yeah. And so yeah. you had the music video that would play regularly for I, could, I believe I could fly, and you had snippets of the movie that were in it, and you're like, oh, look, there's the movie and this. Oh, you just have this perfect marriage there. Uh, I know when we t- when I talked about Space Jam doing the Rad Dads, yeah. um, the, the Hit 'Em High, Hit 'Em High, one yeah. of my favorite songs. It's, Love good, it's a good song. I still listen to that song. It, it's a it's a really good song for the time. It maybe doesn't hold up so great nowadays, yeah. but it's I mean, you the pick a mid '90s rap yeah. song that does. Well, and it was, and I was I was just so impressed, especially once I got you know later in life. I was like, okay, you got Method Man, you got Be Real from Cypress Hill, you got L Cool J, Busta Rhymes. And um, who who am I leaving out? There's one other guy, um, uh, Coolio. You got, I mean, these, can't to, leave Coolio out. Get, I mean, he was the mid '90s. You got these five guys who kind of, I mean, they all have their own styles, all have their own thing going on. And you're like, hey, we got this movie with the Looney Tunes. We want you guys to do a song. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, and I love that work. they roll with that. I mean, Red Man's amazing. I was like, the the whole, I was like that, and I mean, the, the then at the end of the soundtrack, I don't. It may have been playing during the credits. I can't remember. That counts. The the Buggin song that um, Bugs Bunny raps. We, oh, we listened, yeah. we, I can't remember if that was in the movie or not, but it was like we. That's kind of like the Bill and Ted soundtrack. Yeah. We got the Reaper rap. Yeah. yeah, I was like, does that count? It counts. I was like, we, you know, we, we listened to that. I was like, that's Bugs Bunny and he's rapping. Yeah, and this is just so crazy. Well, I like the Quad City DJ song. Oh, the, the kicking it off. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's a good ass song, man. You, you when when you walk into that movie and that's your you know your your introduction to because you you got the the opening scene where young Michael's shooting hoops out in the backyard. His dad comes out and you get this real touch. Uh, Quad City DJs. Oh, we're, we're huge at the like, time, but Quad City DJs are kind of this weird thing where they they feel like a '70s funk band in ways. Yeah. So like they're kind of timeless in a way. So you know that that song I think holds up pretty well. Uh, it, still, it definitely does. Yeah, we watch Space Jam a lot at my house. So um, that 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 song I hear that song fairly frequently. <laughs> um, but there, I mean, there were there were. Uh, so I believe I could fly was like the big big song. Was yeah. there another huge song of its like that was up there? Um, and the Quad City BJ song was on the radio from time to time, but it wasn't huge. I'm trying to think, um, what else there was? Uh, um, the post office used it for a while. The uh, um, time keeps on slipping into the future. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Was that uh, that was. Um, Okay, yeah. Well, well, that was another R. Kelly song, wasn't it? I'm trying to. Think. I want to say it was Seal. Was it? If there was a Seal oh, you know, song. it might have been Seal. It might have been Seal. Yeah. Uh, but there, I want to fly like an yeah. eagle. Yeah. Yeah. The, You're right. That was on there too. That was a big song. Yeah. And and that was that played a. I think that was in during the the montage of them getting better at like they were all okay. We're gonna Michael Jordan was showing like all right guys, this is what we're gonna do as a team. There there were, um, and then I'm trying to think. Um, uh, 
Because some of those songs, because having gone back and rewatched Space Jam as many times as I have, some of the songs from the soundtrack you didn't even realize were playing in the movie mm. because they were just real low key in the background. Yeah, like something was yeah, happening. Yeah. Uh, that was, happens a lot. There was a Monica song in there. Um, for Monica you, was will. huge back in the day. Yeah, um, that was that was one. Um, trying to think, there there was uh, Basketball Jones. Um, that was that was in there, and that was a good one. But it it was just like we. Uh, this is, <coughs> I remember when I was a kid, we had the soundtrack. Um, none of us, none of us had a CD player yet. None of us had like a, a see, we're I, still rocking the cassettes. We, well, the thing was we had the CD. We just didn't have a CD player. I remember <laughs> we would hell. go, we would go across the street, uh, cause my friend, um, big Chris, there were two Chris's, there was little Chris, big and Chris, big and little Chris, Chris, big Chris. We would go out to his dad's, I thought he had like a Jimmy or something like that, but it had a CD player in it. So we would open the doors and we'd turn the turn the, the car on um, to where the electricity was running. It wasn't, we'd start the so car. So you're running the battery We're down. We're running the yeah. battery down, <laughs> listening to the Space Jam soundtrack, yeah. cranked up in his driveway. Oh, man. Like the most There's no better way to listen to music than in a car. <laughs> the most get We're standing in the driveway with the doors of this of this SUV open, just cranking the Space Jam soundtrack. Right? I don't see a problem with that <laughs> at, at all. I was like, that was the best way to do life. <laughs> that was life. That was like, that was how we rolled. Yeah, that was how you rolled. But yeah, Space Jam, you anticipated. You, you know, I knew it. You know I knew it. Well. I knew it would. Yeah. It's and I'm looking soundtrack. at like movies. You do your research. It's like top soundtracks, and that, that's that's in a lot of that one. Top that 10. one it it pulls into a lot of lists. Yeah. A lot of '90s soundtracks make those lists, but you know, as I, I'm reflecting on what it meant to be, or what what a soundtrack meant from the '80s and '90s versus what it means nowadays. Very, very different. The yeah. 80s, well, the 80s seems like a soundtrack was you had a song made specifically for a movie, for movie. and it was big, and like it kind of like the movie and the song were elevated side by side. The 90s was all about, like we said already, taking a collection of artists, getting a song that's not going to be their top selling song, you know? Like if you got a semi sonic song, you're not going to do closing time on the soundtrack. You're going to do yeah. like a B side semi sonic song. It's going to go on there. Yeah, because I think Third Eye Blind did graduate from. Uh... Can't hardly wait. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That was, was a very uh, right up front. Yeah. Um. So you know that's what it meant to be a '90s soundtrack. And then I feel like in the days of uh, digital downloads and things like that, soundtracks became more about how can we enhance the movie. Yeah. By using music, and you had all those kids who grew up loving you know soundtracks. Now they're now they're making movies, but they're having to use. Like they just have to go about it differently. So what they do is they take it's like a Quentin Tarantino approach almost. I'm taking these like deep cut songs that like yeah. I enjoyed, you know, like not a lot of people know about. It's almost like really uncool to put a popular song in your movie. Yeah. You got to put some kind of deep cut, and uh, some people are gonna know about it. If you just happen to know about it, it's like all people that worked in record stores, yeah. <laughs> you know, like are suddenly like making soundtracks. They're making soundtracks now. And I and I tell you what, I love all of the iterations. Like it's one of those things where like I can't say which one's better. I love them all. I really do appreciate them. And I don't buy CDs and albums anymore, so that that works out anyway. Look who's finally ready to play. Let's see if I remember how to do this. All right, so my next movie. Roll with it. I'm going to roll roll with me. It's going to be Delamantry. A song with Delamantry. Can I find one? Uh, let's see. So I'm going to go with Donnie Darko, I guess. Oh, good soundtrack. 
I'm gonna go with Donnie Darko. I wasn't, and then you took Can't Hardly Wait. So this is my second Wes, An not Wes Anderson, Paul Anderson movie. And uh, so there are not a ton of songs in the movie, but every song enhances a scene that's in it. Um, the Head Over Heels uh, is is awesome in it. Um, Notorious, that whole scene right. with like you know sparkle glimmer motion. sparkle motion. It 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 works. It works oh, so know. well. You know, you got like it, notorious is uh, Duran Duran, I think, and uh, you know, like well, you wouldn't think to put a Duran Duran single in your nineteen nine late nineties, early two thousands, early two thousands actually. I think Donnie Darko was. Uh, I don't have the year listed, but I think it was, was two thousand one. Two thousand one. That sounds about right. But it's because it was set in the eighties. Yeah, it was. It was set in the eighties, which is why you had the notorious. You got Mad World, but not not the uh, Mad World that came out from I, I forget who originally reported it. But they had that Gary Jules Gary version Jules. of Mad Jules. Oh my God, one of it's... my favorite remakes ever. You know that is such a good song, and it and it and it, it's so montage. emotional, right? Yeah, that's oh. so emotional. That song just makes the scene. And it's there's a there's a creepiness to it. Yeah. Um, that. Because uh, that that song and that movie reminds me of Hurdy Gurdy Man in Zodiac. Like there's, it's a song that by by itself isn't as it's it's kind of it's got kind of a different feel to it, but it wouldn't necessarily be like uh, and creepy. Almost feels like the wrong word. It's just it's like it's so it's in moody. Sync. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. in sync with yeah. what you're seeing on screen. You're like it just matches so well. Yeah, and that's the thing with all of these songs. Like there, it's not it's not necessarily an album that you would rush to the store and buy and jam to in your car, but in in the sense, it, it, like in sync with the movie, it's just it 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 lends to the scene so well, and I, I I love movies that can do that where you can take a really emotional song and like it's like you're replacing a good score like yeah. from a Will Horner or a James Horner, not Will Horner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? A James Horner where he's like that's the kind of thing you would count on for like a really well composed, yeah. you know, like orchestral. Uh, sound but like the they take these common songs like head over hills notorious and and mad world and there's like shout and never tears yeah. some really good songs in there um but if it weren't for those songs i just wouldn't have remembered the movie as well it, it those 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 songs really punctuate their scenes very like very you well can, said. you can jump right back to it the sound is perfectly in sync with the visual and you know you hear it because every time i hear that song mad world it, I mean, I go right back to that montage of the yes. characters. Yes. Like, yes. And it, it just, it's, they're synonymous. And I, I think that, especially when you're doing that with music, you're like, uh, I've married the, the visual with the, audit, the, the audio, and they are embedded in people's memories so well. It's like, then you've really done your job. There's nothing like a song that will take you back to a moment or period in your life. You can't help it, which is, I think, why a lot of people stop loving music once they get to a certain age. Because, yep. like, it's almost it's sad it's kind of sad to say but once you get to be a certain age and an adult you know nothing matters anymore you're just kind of you're you're going about your adulting and your responsible day-to-day -day life like there are no more formative moments a lot especially you know we both we both have kids and it you know you're still making memories yeah but the memories are really like you're you're on the 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 flip side of the memory now, like you're facilitating yeah. the making of the memories yes. for your kids. So yes. and you're very grow, aware of that. Yeah. Very aware of that. So, you know, I, I really appreciate a movie that can do that to me. Like if I can hear a mad world and instantly think of a whole entire scene 
you know, like I'd said, like those three songs from from Boogie Nights, yeah. you know, like those three songs individually never would go together. No. But in that sequence of events in the movie, it's just like perfect. It fits. Takes me right back to the movie. Right makes me enjoy the movie more. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's my Donnie Darko. Like I don't really have much else to say other than that, just because there aren't a ton of songs in it. But there's there's such a weighted like feeling to each song. Like it really it was it. yeah, and the the tone of the movie was just it really was it was enhanced by the music. Like I think I think if you would have picked different songs and placed them, they could have still worked. But the, yeah. the, the you know the finished product that you have, the, the movie that we've seen. I've we've seen seen it a number that of notorious times. in Mad World in yeah. particular, like they work so well. It really, yeah. I mean, the the what's unfolding before you as you're listening to that just it clicks so well. It's such a good movie. All right, uh, so we're down to your final pick. This I, I got. I got two left. You got two I left. Got two okay. Left. I'm on number. I four. went first, didn't I? Yes. Okay. I'm on number four, and my number four is uh, Snatch. See, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to defer to you on that because this is one of the movies that I haven't <sighs> really seen. I don't know what's what's on the soundtrack. It, it, it's it's a very eclectic. Uh, some of the ones because there's a couple of songs. Um, the the there's a montage. Uh, this this is the first movie. Because I saw Snatch before I saw Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, the kids that were cooler than me had already seen Lock, Lock Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels was first, right? Yep. Lock, yeah. Stock came first. Um, and they're both Guy Ritchie. These are Guy Ritchie movies, yeah. Guy Ritchie, British gangster movies. Great movies. I loved I, I love Snatch. Snatch came out on video when I worked at uh, Blockbuster. Snatch the movie that had that Brad Pitt role where you yep. couldn't make he a word out. <laughs> That's a great. Everybody can play and there's there's even there's, one, love there's one Back, scene especially in the those movie days. where even if you have subtitles turned on it's literally just three question marks because they have no idea what brad pitt is saying <laughs> it's just uh, making shit up i watched that movie every day for a month when it came out oh my god literally i just watched it because i was like i loved it so much yeah. um and there was uh um there was uh the opening sequence <coughs> a song called diamonds by a band clint um klint and it, it's just this, it's this montage of, because it's a big cast of characters, and they, they all kind of have their own stories that are intersecting at different points. Um, and Guy Ritchie used a lot of the same. I mean, British actors, there's typically a small pool of them anyways. Yeah, uh, Vinnie, yeah. Vinnie Jones was in it. Oh, Vinnie Jones, um, Juggernaut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you had uh, Benicio Del Toro, Dennis Farina. Um, you had this was the first time I'd ever seen Jason Statham. That was my first oh, exposure shit. to him. Yeah. He played Turkish in that movie. Um, then you had Brad Pitt. Um, he, there was there was a big cast of characters, and they would they would have just a short a short scene of some kind of action of of the person, and then you'd have like this stamp, and it would be this imprint of their you know whatever scene you're looking at and the character's name so you get this introduction to everybody up front okay. to the song it was just really I like that yeah it opened it up you're really associating well. a song yeah. to a character right away um, it's kind of like I can't hardly wait they did yes. the same thing you're you're just you're digital underground sneaker pimps yeah you're immediately <laughs> inundated with with this you know sound and visual connection I'm sad we didn't mention sneaker pimps when we were talking about can't hardly should, wait you still you can now I want to mention sneaker pimps which I think they played during uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's Yes. Section. Anyway, 
Six Underground. Love that song. It's a great song. Great song. Yep. Um, snatch. Snatch. <laughs> uh, there's Which is also a word for... Grabbing things. Grabbing things, yes. <laughs> if you were to grab a larger diamond. Just snatch it. Okay. You'd snatch that diamond. That's all I wanted to say. Yep. That's all I meant. Good. Wordplay. Wordplay is good. When words mean other things. Pussy. <laughs> exactly. Box. Yes. I, I'm trying to think of some other. <laughs> Beaver. <laughs> nice beaver. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. <laughs> you just want to watch me dig a hole and like how awkward can I get? <sighs> Provides me an opportunity for hydration. Um, me too, actually. But um, uh, I'm trying to think what the... Uh, there's, there's. Is there a main character that's like... There, it's it's not the the whole the whole gist of the movie is there's this gigantic diamond, um, and it just bounces around from place to place. Um, uh, Jason Statham, he's a boxing promoter. He's got um, he's got a bare knuckle boxer um, that he's uh, gorgeous George. That's his boxer. Uh, and then there's Alan Ford plays Bricktop. He's like this. He's he's the gangster guy, mm. and. Um, it has like a, a train spotting kind of feel to yeah, it. Yeah, there's it, it's it's this whole kind of underground world. This diamond keeps popping up in all different people's camps, um, and uh, so they 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 really like it's it's just kind of being juggled around by one person to one person. There's a really um, it's uh, Vinnie Jones, his character uh, Bullet Tooth Tony. I like Vinnie Jones. He this is this is the quintessential Vinnie Jones. Right? He's gotcha. just he's a tough guy. Um, uh, Dennis Farina plays Avi. He's he's this he, his his uh, I think it's his brother who's in in uh, London. Um, he's because the Jewish guys they have this this corner on the diamond market. Um, but uh, his his brother why can't I can't think of his name now? Um, but he's he's not Jewish, but he pretends to be Jewish so that he has this clout in the in the diamond world. Um, and so the uh, Benicio del Toro. He's uh, Frankie Fourfingers. Um, he's he's got a gambling problem, um, and he's lost a finger. Because I was going to say, I wonder why he lost the finger. That's probably um, why. And he's supposed to go. He steals the diamond from Antwerp, and he's supposed to bring it back to uh, Abby with Dennis Farina in uh, in the United States. And uh, these guys um, mess it. These these thieves they butcher this this job, and they accidentally knock out Benicio del Toro in the back of his van. So trying to they're trying to steal the diamond from him and that goes awry, <clears throat> and it just it's this kind of um, it's not really a comedy of errors, but everybody just keeps you know it's like they're they're all trying to grab it and everybody's bobbling it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. It's, it's yeah. humorous, just naturally. The um, uh, bullet tooth Tony Vinnie Jones, he has uh, he has this affinity for Madonna, um, which this was right about the time that um, because um, Sting. Who is in uh, Lockstock? He, oh yeah, that's when he, that was Madonna's British <coughs> period. He he introduced Guy Ritchie to Madonna, okay. and so um, we have him to thank for this. So um, in, in the movie, he uh, Bullet Tooth Tony loves uh, Lucky Star. That's his jam. Um, you can be my and Lucky and so, Star. Yes, it's it just it, it was like it's so great because Starlight, it totally star bright, first star it, it doesn't <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, you're like it's really big tough guy yeah and he's like he just loves he Lucky loves Star. starlight of it oh, um, not a madonna song you would particularly imagine a tough guy would enjoy yes so he uh it's from her pop days it 
her definitive pop days very when, in the 80s the heyday in the in the 80s like a virgin 90s. those yeah. days yeah so um she uh she shows up on the soundtrack and then i'm trying to i wish i could i, I should have um there's there's another song that just the scene really fits really well i should i should get you a, i have a copy of this movie okay too because it's such it's such a good movie it's on my what you haven't seen that yeah. list. it's such a good one i've watched it so many times over the years um, and it, it, it just, it, I, I think I watched it probably, I've known I watched it within the last six months. It's a good soundtrack. Good. That's it. That's all it. right. That's all I got. I'm coming, baby. I'm coming. Hey, I'm coming. I'm coming, baby. Oh, I'm coming. Bonjour. So I guess I'll do my final yes. uh, soundtrack. Yes. Move on to me. Uh, so I'm going to go with. Old school. <laughs> That's a great soundtrack. Yeah, I, again, it's I like picking uh, soundtracks where the the song enhances a particular scene. Allows you, in this case, you have some original songs that are cover songs from the Dan Band, but like Total Eclipse of the Heart uh, uh, and Lady. He, there, I love because they've been in. Uh, they were in uh, The Hangover, weren't they? I think you might be right. Yeah, uh, they've been in a couple of different things. And I really enjoy. They're funny. Yes. They're, they're, you know, the, the lead singer guy, like, really, he's, there's a lot of sass and attitude yes. with his portrayal of the songs. And it's like, you, you look at him and you go, like, you're not doing, like, well, Lady's like a stick song. And, you know, with the total eclipse of the heart. I mean, that's like such a, you know, poppy 90s yes. song, really. Uh, I, I really enjoy the song where, uh, like, thus, you know, the, the Will Ferrell singing to Blue, and it's like that Kansas song, yes. Dust in the Wind. It's beautiful. I, I love all of the songs, with, like, every song with Will Ferrell basically is the boy. best. Yeah. <laughs> I love when he's, like, out tuning his car, and it's like they're playing, like, some song. I forget, but it's like, a, it's like an 80s, you know, like, I, I want to say it's uh, Here We Go Again. That, that sound, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, which is, uh, oh God, who is that? White Snake. Yeah. And he's like, he's just like talking about like, you know, you can't, you, he's taking the restrictor plate off his car. It's not street legal. And you know, like, you wonder, it's like, how does Will Ferrell get like this girl who's like way out of his league? Yeah. Speaking of his wife, I really enjoyed the scene that had Andy Dick where he's like teaching a blowjob yes. class. And it's like, uh, it's like a Duran Duran song, I think. Hungry Like the Wolf. Yes. And he's like, who's hungry? Who's hungry? And he's like going to the fruit. <laughs> Andy Dick. Andy Dick's a nut. Uh, and then you have, uh, I, I really enjoy this. It's not like a particular song, but I want to think it's like Chariots of Fire when he's like doing the, you know, they have, they oh, have to, yes, the, there's the, the triathlon. Yeah, they have to yeah. do the academic. Uh, and he's doing the ribbon dance. He's doing the ribbon dance. I really enjoyed that. The, you know, everybody did a CNC Music Factory song where they all have to do a coordinated song, a yep. dance number together. Uh, you know, so it's I, a great movie. I, it's a great movie, and it's got a lot of good songs in it. You got the Metallica song where they're doing the uh, initiation in the van yep. where they have to grab all the pledges. And I think it's like Master of Puppets or something. And it's just awesome because you got all these other songs like the Dan Band, you know, which is like cover songs of old, like, you know, popular songs. Yeah. But, but then you got this like heavy metal, like you got like Metallica, old school, not like newer stuff Metallica, yeah, like no. when they were metal, basically. 
And then, you know, it wraps it up again with, you know, like CNC Music Factory. It's going to make you sweat. Yep. It's just really great. That is such a great movie. I love that movie. And, uh, you know, oh, and there's like the Hello Darkness, my old friend. Yes. When like Frank gets hit with a dart and he falls back in the pool. <laughs> they all seem to center awesome. around. <laughs> yes! The stippler. He's got like, it's got the petting zoo or you're, whatever. You're, you're crazy, man. <laughs> I like you. That was Will Ferrell's, like, I feel like his big introduction to mainstream, you know. He's just got his robe on. <laughs> yeah. Wandering around a children's birthday party. Uh, you got you got an appearance by Snoop Dogg, yep. Mitch Palooza. Yep. You know, so there, this, it's a really good movie. It's a good soundtrack. I never owned the soundtrack, but I, I assume it, ha it had to have had a, lot, a good number of those songs yeah. on it. But that that's not really what this list is about. These are movies with the songs in it. The soundtrack in the movie is enhancing the movie. Yes. That that's for sure one of my favorites. So that that's my audible, I guess, because I had to pick an audible once you took Keen Hardly Wait. I'll go with old school. Brian, I nice Oh no, thanks. I got I got a fresh beer. Can you turn that off? Wait a second. Wow, <laughs> that's really loud. Yeah, thanks. Took the restrictor plate off. Give the Red Dragon a little more juice. But uh, let's keep that on the down low. What's your final pick, sir? My final pick. This is where this is where I kind of cheated a little bit. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <clears throat> but I, I cheated because it's it's um, my two favorite movies of all time. Okay. Deadpool and Deadpool Two. That's fine. And uh, that's fine. And it, because it's it's not only the the soundtracks. Okay. But the score of the second. Of oh, holy two. yeah, holy shit balls! That the, whole thing. It's but... the first score <laughs> to ever receive a parental advisory. Oh my god! And it's because of that song. Yeah. Um, With the juggernaut. And yeah. that's just I love that. And then it's so great. many so many points in those um, in the movies like the music just like because in the first one, Carol's Whisper, um, George Michael, huge thing. Total payoff at the end. Wham. <laughs> Wham. Not just George Michael. No. Wham. Wham. That was um, good. But you have that. Then you have Dolly Parton in the second mm. one. Nine to five. I remember the second one the most. Yeah, you got nine to five, which is great. Yes. Probably second, arguably the best usage of nine to five in a movie. I don't know. It may Could have, be the first. It may be better than it, the actual It may movie be better than five. the titular movie that, that it was so, based off of. I it, don't know. If, if there were, uh, the, Celine Dion. Celine Dion. In the opening of the movie. The opening it's of like a James too. Bond style song, which is great. It's like this is, you got, they got Celine Dion for this movie. And it, it everything just works together so well. And, and I like the song they do at the end too, because they had in the first movie, the X going to give it to you. Yep. There was like a new song, but it was yeah. really cool when like he and Cable and like. And Domino. And, and Domino were running. Was that, that was, that was my, my one. It wasn't. It wasn't really my fault, but it was the one thing that I liked less about when they did the super duper cut is they changed the music. Mm. So in that sequence in the super duper cut, it's "Fly Like an Eagle," mm. which doesn't work anywhere near as well. I don't. Yeah, think. that doesn't get you um, pumped up as much. No, so. I love the the use of thunderstruck. Thunderstruck yes. gets used a lot in movies, but that was a good usage that, of it. That really worked out well. Yeah, it, it, with the X Force jumping out of the oh, back of the helicopter. The whole scene just flowed perfectly with that. Yeah, uh, just it built up the right momentum. Yep, everybody's jumping out. Yep, it punctuated the joke of like Peter having to get down and and jump out off the ledge. <laughs> he really did because it's such a non badass yeah. way to fly out. Because <laughs> then he does like a back versus like somersault flip yeah. out of the back, kind of saves the team. So I was like, every in both of those movies, the music just so incredibly 
punctuated every 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 one of those little beats where you're just like this second is... best usage of in your eyes yes you know because they even play off the little boombox app that he has oh, yeah. on his phone it's great so he's, he's holding up yeah he's <laughs> holding up the phone um in um in in the first one they um i'm trying to think um i had it then i lost it yeah um, i i don't remember as many songs from the first one. I, I guess it's because they, maybe they had more of a budget in the second one. Yes. They could have more songs. But I, I think there there were there were songs, definitely. There, what was this? The, sh the shoot the sh song that was the Salt and yes, Peppa shoot? Salt and Peppa. Yeah. That was, because that's, that's really like the first time you're, you know, you're introduced to Deadpool as yep. the character of Deadpool. Like you see him, but, um, you know, he's... Well, and there. there was a song they played too at the beginning of that, that slow motion scene. Yes, the... Um, uh, the angel that's right yeah yeah um, which would uh, which they played again at the end of this of the movie and yeah. then the at the beginning of deadpool 2 when they had um, uh, air supply with the uh the logan music box mm. Mm. Um, oh and don't forget share turn back time yes turn back time is awesome and then oh in in the when um, when he gets stabbed in the head in the first one and little cartoons come out mm. uh and it's chicago um just every every time Every time they were using music in either one of those movies, it just it just took the scene you were already experiencing yeah. and just amped it up. Yeah, oh yeah. And so, and then, like I said, with the score, Tyler Bates, <coughs> I think he's done. Uh, I think it's such a cool thing they got Celine Dion to do. Oh, in the that, that movie. was fantastic, and the, the the way that they the way that they used uh, even integrated her into the uh, uh, the marketing of the movie, where they did a video for that, and Deadpool's like, it was really great. We need you to take it down a few notches because it was a little too good. Um, <laughs> This is a Deadpool movie. Here, yeah. like, this is Deadpool. This isn't Titanic. Yeah. yeah. Titanic. Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I was like, you know what? I can't pick one over the other because the music in both of them was so fantastic. Right. And so, um, and then the first one you had, um, oh, who's the the DJ? Um, I have a bunch of songs on there. It, uh, I wish I could remember now that I started to mention it, but I can't. Mm. Um, it's okay. But uh, We'll kick ourselves later. Yes. <laughs> I will kick myself later. Trust Square me. in the pants. Yep. Your brown pants. Yep. <laughs> He's smart. He remembered his brown pants. It was a line from the movie. It was a line from the movie. That was good. It. So yeah, Deadpool. Oddly enough, rounds out one of my lists. It's totally out of character for me, I know. No, no. <laughs> I was going to say, like, we got the new set, the new background. Like, you need to bring some Deadpool thing and, like, set it. <coughs> bring it just to leave it and set it over here just to add a bit of Adam I have the, some Deadpool stuff. Yeah, I, I figure you probably have enough Deadpool We're stuff. We're actually that, both wearing Deadpool shirts. Look at that. Yeah, we sure are. Nice. Nice. We did not even plan that no, whatsoever. It just happened. But we're X-Force! No, we're not! X-Force is just a marketing tool designed by Fox executives to keep Josh Brolin employed. It doesn't exist. All right, well, this has been pretty scary. And I need to feed my cat. Go home, sugar bear. Go home. Okay. Will you give Domino my email? Uh, okay. Well, we got to wrap this episode up. We're going up on two, uh, three, hours, three hours, and uh, we still got to do our uh, reveal for Rad Dads. So, yeah. Hope you enjoyed our ten soundtracks. Yes. Uh, I think they were all excellent choices. Pretty diverse. Lots of different decades in there. We didn't touch the '80s though, which is surprising. I don't think. Now I got a lot of '80s soundtracks we can always go back to in a future iteration of this uh, topic. So yeah, so that leads us to excellent. There it is. I'm a little bit slow on the engineering. G right. uh, Mitch, come on, man. Yeah. Mitch. Where were you? Babe, wait. Oh, Mitch. Babe, babe.
That's, of course, where we each pick a classic movie, uh, and we watch it with our children. Yes. And we like to see if the movie holds up. Uh, Will our kids be as fond of a movie that we were? Uh, Sometimes the movie goes back 20, 30 years. Uh, You know, it could be just 10 years. Who knows? But the point is, movies that we loved, uh, we share it with our kids, and we find out, are we rad dads or are we not? Are we bad dads? And so far, we've done an excellent job. We've really nailed the rad dads. Uh, So for me... I'm going to pick Batman 1989, which, of course, just had a huge anniversary. Uh, It was released in June of 1989. We're in June 2019 at the moment, so 30 years. I just got this 4K edition of the movie, and I heard it's really, really nice. Uh, So I'm going to sit down with the kids, and we're going to watch Batman proper from 1989. We're going to do, because I just rewatched it the other day, and I hadn't watched it in a long time. I forgot how great of a movie it was. I'm going to do Monster Squad. Oh, good Love stuff. Love Monster Squad. Good stuff. Yeah. Such now, a great movie. Monster Squad was a seminal movie from the yeah. 80s in our childhood, so I would be interested to see how a more... Because, uh, you know, like kids nowadays get they're more sanitized with yeah. the entertainment that they're fed. And that, if I'm not mistaken, that movie starts off a little bit intense. Yeah. Because uh, you got... like Isn't it Van Helsing yeah, who's Van like Helsing, hunting the yeah, monsters yeah. and... Yeah. You know, that, that scene's a little bit much, and uh, at least I, I feel it, like, because I've watched it in the last 10 years. It's been about 10 years, and, uh, you know, I loved it. It hit all the nostalgia feels, oh, yeah. so, you know, that's a good choice. And what kid doesn't love the Universal Movie Monsters? Like, they'll never go out of style. No. You know, like, we, we're feeding them crap like the mummy with Tom Cruise now, but, you know, they're, they're, they're classic monsters. You know, everybody knows Dracula. Hey, we got Dracula in the... Uh, uh, you know, the, the comedies now yeah. with the Sony movies, Dracula, what, Hotel Transylvania. Hotel Transylvania, thank you so, very much. Yeah, like, so, you know, they, they, again, you know, you got like some sort of entertaining thing for kids to just so they'll, keep going. They'll have a frame of reference of Dracula, Frankenstein, yeah. Wolfman. Wolfman, all absolutely. Of so, all, of the, all of them will be there. So then, yeah, we can go to. What's the, the classic thing? line? <clears throat> kick, kick him in the nards. Wolfman's got nards. Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> And there's, if I remember correctly too, there's like an excellent music montage. Oh, there's there's actually a documentary about the film called Wolfman's Got Nards. No way. Yep. Is that on Netflix by any chance? Uh, I don't think so. I was looking for it. I oh, couldn't damn. find it anywhere. It, it's probably going to like request. Okay, okay. So it's free on I YouTube. Bet you I, find it. I bet you can find it on YouTube. Wolfman's Got Nards, the documentary. Yes. <laughs> Netflix is like, no, nah, we're too, we're too prestigious we're too for, high that. for that. Yeah, no, no. Whatever. That's not a, that's not something we're going to do. Whatever. That's not it. No, we're 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 going to be doing like high class, upscale documentaries. Like, uh, what was the kidnapping one where the? Oh yeah. <laughs> weird situation where like the father and mother like they they had this old friend or it was like the dad's old friend and like he they he kidnaps their child. And yeah. It's creepy. There were a lot of memes spawned from it. Just hilarious. Like, wow, these people are really dumb. Yeah. And blind. <laughs> Dumb and blind. They shouldn't have any kids. Always got to end it on an upbeat note. Yes. Yay. Life is good. Don't kill yourself. <laughs> Don't kill yourself, Jonathan Brandis. Yep. Whoever. Well, it's too late for him. Yeah. Do I it. can't speak to Jonathan. To Don't the, be the next Jonathan Brandis. Don't be the next Jonathan Brandis. If there's a young actor, any take any number of actors from the movie It. There's a lot of them. All of them. Don't do it. Don't do it. Your life's it's, it's everything. You have so many exciting things happening right we now. We would miss you. We would. 
we would miss the potential hit, the view, and comment. Leave a comment below if you if you're any of the cast member from it. Yeah. Especially that Wolfhard kid. Yeah. He's got a Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard. Man, that's like Troy McClure from The Simpsons. It's a badass name. Can't lose you. We can't lose you, Finn no. Wolfhard. Anyways, I've been your host, Ron Avis. I've been your other host, Adam Peterson. We'll see you next time. Peace. I'd like to do that again. <laughs> see you next time. Fuck yourself. No, that's better. <laughs> Way better. Go fuck yourself, Sanders. <laughs>